Mr. City Clerk, are you ready to drive? I'll call the meeting to order. Roll call, please. Councilmember Duran? Here. Councilmember McReynolds? Here. Councilmember Johnson? Here. Councilmember Halter? Here. Councilmember Campos? Here. Deputy Mayor Dr. Sanchez Palacios? Here. And Mayor Schrader? Here. Mr. City Attorney, would you like to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance? Special presentations and announcements. This is Dysautonomia Awareness Month. Was that, that that's a game changer? Was I close? Okay, thank you. Uh, dysautonomia is a term we may not hear often. It refers to a group of conditions that impact the um, automatic uh, nervous system. The system controls vital functions such as heart rate, blood pressure, digestion, and more all things that most of us take for granted each day. The reality is, even though individuals with dysautonomia may look perfectly healthy, they grapple with a range of debilitating symptoms. Symptoms like dizziness, fainting, rapid heart rate, fatigue, digestive issues, and problems regulating body temperature. It impacts over 70 million people around the world and impacts people of every age, gender, race, or background, including many individuals living in Ventura. Dysautonomia can be very disabling, and the disability can result in social isolation, stress on families of those impacted, and financial hardships. Increased awareness will help parents get diagnosed and treated earlier, help um, save lives, and foster support for individuals and families coping with it within our community. Dysautonomia International, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that advocates on behalf of patients encourages communities to celebrate an awareness month each October. Therefore, I, Joe Schrader, mayor of the city of San Buenaventura, do hereby proclaim the month of October 2023 as Dysautonomia Awareness Month. I'd like to invite Renee Gomez Raz to share a few remarks and to accept the proclamation. Renee, can you pronounce your last name for me so that... It's Barreras. Barreras. Sorry. That's okay. You did an excellent job on dysautonomia. Yeah, it's, um, I wouldn't want to say that after two iced teas. <laughs> well, thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. Um, it really is a privilege. I want to thank the city of Ventura for acknowledging dysautonomia. Um, myself being a um, patient with dysautonomia, it's very life-changing. Um, but this proclamation means so much to myself and others like me. Um, having better awareness means better medical treatment and accessibility within the community. So thank you again for acknowledging this. I have a, I'll come down there for a picture. A proclamation for the city.
Closed session report, Mr. City Attorney. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. We did have closed session tonight on the items in the agenda and there is no reportable action. Thank you. City Council communications, Mr. McReynolds. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I just want to report out that I was able to provide a quarterly update to the Ventura Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors and the Ventura Port District to the, their board in terms of our activities for the uh, third quarter of 2023 and uh, we had an East Ventura Community Council meeting uh, and I wanted to thank uh, City Manager Ayub for uh, being the guest featured guest speaker uh, on it. I think it went over really well. So thank you very much. Councilmember Duran. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I just wanted to let you all know that I had a wonderful time last week meeting with Cub Scouts, uh, troop number 3179. They were 10 and 11 year olds and we had, uh, my topic was how to be a good citizen. So. The, we actually, I spoke for an hour and the questions were amazing. We talked about homelessness and business and police and fire and drug abuse, mental illness and, and how important it is to clean your room. We talked about all those things. I wanted to say thank you to Bridget Harmon. Uh, she is the den leader for that troop. I wanted to say thank you to all the um, volunteers that volunteer for all of the scouting troops. Um, it is a, an incredible program and our city's in good hands with this next generation coming up so thank you it's wonderful that you took that time I, I don't think City Council was surprised that it you spoke for 60 minutes <laughs> Councilmember Johnson thank you mayor uh, could we pull up my slide please thank you as you as you may have noticed I was not here last week I've got um, just some other things going on that are taking priority and so uh, my next meet and greet that I was going to hold on October 26th, I'm going to have to cancel that. On Wednesday, October 25th, though, the College Area Community Council will be having a Zoom meeting, um, and this one is really focusing on fire. And so they've got three different speakers on three different topics. Uh, the first is on fire hazard reduction on your property. Uh, the second speaker is talking about hardening your home, and the third speaker is talking about uh, getting insurance in a hazard zone and uh, obviously it's not just the college area that has homes in the hazard zone I, I think everybody from across the city would really benefit from from attending this meeting uh, virtually the zoom link uh, and agenda are available at caccventura.com thank you mayor councilmember compost thank you mayor um, I want to let everyone on the west side know that the Avenue Library Tutoring Center has gotten grants for funding and is now reopened. Also, Kellogg Park, um, the city took charge and cleaned up a little bit, so all the families are welcome to come back. We believe it's safe and clean again. Um, our HOPES committee meeting is tomorrow at 3 p.m., if any of you would like to attend or have something to tell us about the homeless or housing situation. And I would encourage you to attend or come visit the downtown farmer's market on Saturday mornings. Um, there's great fruits and vegetables and the community activity is wonderful. Thank you. Councilmember Johnson. 
Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Mayor. I apologize for, for not asking this, but I ask that we adjourn tonight's meeting in the memory of Emily Harley. Emily Harley. Hardy? Emily Harley. Okay. Thank you. Um, uh, Councilmember Halter. Great. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I just want to say a couple of things. My colleagues covered a few of the things. The HOPE Committee, which I chair, is meeting tomorrow at 3 o'clock here at the community room. So please join us there. We have a lot of uh, very important topics that we cover in a very short period of time. Um, but we'd love to have more people there uh, to help share their ideas and be a part of the solution. Uh, second is on Thursday morning, 8.30, is the Downtown Ventura Partners meeting as well, uh, which I'll be at. Um, this past weekend, I had the honor of going to the 150th anniversary celebration in Santa Paula. And I don't often get a chance to walk down th uh, through downtown uh, Santa Paula, and it was really quite a treat. I mean, there's a lot of people there, people I hadn't seen, and honestly, some people that I hadn't seen in 15 years that were all there. It was definitely multi-generational, uh, great celebration, great music. Then it went on to uh, several other events that same day, but on yesterday, we had a very important event. As you know, uh, past council member and mayor, uh, Sandy Smith, had passed away earlier in the year, and yesterday, uh, we had a celebration of life uh, at the museum, and it truly was a celebration. I mean, I, I had envisioned Sandy really smiling at how much fun everyone was having with all the memories, because if you didn't know Sandy, you really missed out, because he was a mentor to a lot of us. He was a kind, gentle soul who absolutely loved the city and gave so much back to this community. He will be remembered, uh, really, for many, many, many decades or generations to come. So I think we did a good honor. About 400 people, I'd say, was there yesterday celebrating his life. So I just want to share that with everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Member. Uh, Councilor Holter, I was going to say the same thing. Um, he was a unique guy. I also want to thank um, the city manager. He attended the Pierpont Community Council and did an outstanding job. On to consent items. Any council members have questions or wish items to be pulled? Excuse me? Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped you again, city manager. I, we'd love to hear from the city manager now. Oh, th well, thank you, Mayor Schrader. All right, this is the last week to apply for our newest public art program, which is designed to transform four plain cement trash cans into vibrant works of mosaic art in the Pierpont community. And for this project, we're drawing inspiration from the captivating colors of Pierpont's monument sign. Artists are encouraged to embody a cohesive style that reflects the beauty of this seaside community. The application deadline is Friday, October 27th at 5 p.m. And you can visit the city's website if you're interested in applying for that. This weekend, Saturday, October 28th from 8.30 to 11.30 a.m., we have a free community cleanup and recycling day. It's gonna be at the city lot at 765 South Seward Avenue. It's hosted by our environmental sustainability team. City residents are invited to drop off unwanted, hard to manage waste, uh, big and small, for proper disposal and recycling. It includes up to two bankers boxes of documents to shred. Uh, this is not an event for collection of household hazardous waste and tires will not be accepted. Goodwill will also be on site to collect any donated items that are in good condition. For a full list of eligible items or to book your time spot, visit the city's website today. Advanced registration is required. Last week, the city sent out a community-wide survey to gauge public input 
in prioritizing underground utilities projects? To take a brief five-minute survey, please visit the city's website. The deadline to participate in this survey is Monday, October 30th. And finally, our next regular council meeting is uh, going to be October 30th, followed by another on November 6th. Updating, updated, excuse me, upcoming items include updating the city charter uh, from our city uh, attorney's office, as well as an update from Public Works on the council's goal to improve conditions of streets, sidewalks, ADA ramps, and bike paths. You can find council agendas online on the city's website. That concludes my comments. Mr. City Manager, on the cleanup and recycling day, um, electronics are allowed, like old computers. I know it's, it was in your picture there, um, but I get asked that question a lot about disposing of electronics. There's a long list of things that are not accepted. Let me double check, to, okay. and I'll get right back with you. Thank you. Councilmember Johnson. Thank you, Mayor. Mr. Ayub, is that survey on undergrounding utilities available in Spanish? Do we know? I believe there's an interpretation function on the website, council member, but I'll, I'll double check that as well. Thank you very much. On to consent items, and I apologize to the city manager for two weeks in a row trying to forget him. I don't see how that's possible, but I did it. Any council members have anything, questions or items to be pulled on the consent? Seeing that there's none, are there public comments? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. There are uh, public comments on consent. We have uh, one speaker, James Harbeck, on items four and five. James, you can go ahead and come up. I'm not quite prepared for um, item number five yet, Michael. If uh, this can... would be the time that we take public comment on the consent items. Okay. So for four and five. Okay, well, five I'm going to have to pass on unless I do it off the cuff. So good evening, City Council, Manager, Attorney, Mayor. I know uh, now where we're going to get the power, some of the power for these new buildings that we're building apartments and stuff. Uh, the lighting system, to me, is a very low priority. To change all the lights in the city for LED lights helps, but I think we need to prioritize a little bit better on what needs to be changed out. And even though we're gonna get a loan for 0% financing, which is great, I think, again, we need to prioritize a little bit better. Our roads are in a shambles, and I know that's on the next, on the agenda for the next meeting I just found out. But again, um, our roads are really bad. So I just uh, thank you for this time. Mr. Mayor, that concludes public comment on the consent items. Uh, also, just want to uh, let the council know and for folks watching both virtually uh, and here in the room, we're having a little bit of technical difficulty into WebEx. Currently, the meeting is being streamed on YouTube and the audio function is working on YouTube and we're working to resolve any audio issues on WebEx uh, as we speak. So thank you for your patience. I'll entertain a motion. 
I move that we approve uh, items one through five on consent items uh, per staff's recommendation. I'll second. I have a motion and a second. Discussion? I think we're ready for a vote. Okay, on the consent items, you can go ahead and enter your vote now. All votes have been entered. Seven ayes, and the motion carries. And it looks like we have resolved the audio issues on WebEx, so we should be good to go. Um, Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, in response to the two comments, the electronic waste is accepted. It's not on the precluded list. And the uh, undergrounding utility survey is available in Spanish online. Thank you. Thanks for getting back to us so quickly on that. Item six, the general plan update, uh, draft land use designations and preferred land use map. Welcome you too, we've seen you before. Just a few times. Was that the gavel? Then I don't remember. Exactly. We're done with the conversations. Thank you all. Have a great evening. Um, we don't have, good evening, Mayor, City Council, Netta Zayer, Interim Community Development Director, joined this evening by Matt Ramey of Ramey Associates. Um, we don't have any additional information to share unless council has any questions before you go into deliberations on the remainder of the areas. Um, we do have several areas that are remaining from uh, last time's uh, discussions. We did get through the college area and the Johnson Drive area, uh, Montavo, and we do have several areas remaining which are um, I'm just going to display here on the screen just so we know what is remaining. Um, we have discussed Westside Pacific View Mall, Midtown College, and Johnson. We have the areas where there was uh, GPAC and PC agreement still remaining, but not agreement necessarily with the public, and that is the Victoria Pierpont area. And then there was areas where there um, was agreement amongst the GPAC, the Planning Commission, and the public, and that was the Soar Eastside downtown and Arundel area. We're happy to take any of the any of these areas in the uh, order that Council would like to discuss the remaining six areas. And then if there's any areas that Council would like to circle back on and discuss further or make additional or different motions or changes, we can do that also. Um, that would be up to the council. With, with that, we turn it over to you all for questions. So if uh, city council agrees, how about if we start with the areas with GPAC and PC agreement, which would be Victoria and Pierpont, then move to areas with GPAC, PC, and public agreement, the other four, and then we can circle back to the earlier ones. Does that make sense? We're good? Okay. Okay, we can start with uh, Victoria, if that's agreeable to council. Uh, 
council would like to take all public comment first and then go into discussion like the other meetings, we can do that as well. City Council, is that acceptable? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. We do have about 10 public speakers on this item. Our first speaker is going to be James Harbach, followed by Wendy Souter. Wendy Souter will be followed uh, by Amy Cherry, who's been seated time, followed by Pete Freeman. Seated my time, Michael, to Spencer Norn there. Oh, that's right. And Thank you. Not... I don't see Spencer here yet. Right. Okay. So then we'll go ahead and bring up Wendy Souter. And then Wendy uh, will be uh, followed by Amy Cherry. Good evening, City Council. Mayor, nice to see you. Um, just wanted to say that the downtown specific plan is a really detailed plan. And I think everyone is aware that the public really supports that, and I hope that you do too tonight. I appreciate the fact that you've been really listening to the residents. I've watched all the um, meetings that you've had. I'd also like to ask that potentially the um, lemon packing plant remain industrial. It'd be nice to keep the jobs here in Ventura rather than having more and more commutes. Really short, sweet, so thanks very much, and welcome, Mr. Ayub. Our next speaker is Amy Cherry. Amy's been seated time by uh, Barbara, Jim, and Bob Guthrie. Amy, you'll have nine minutes. Oh boy, nine minutes. Hi, everybody. Um, and I've got your presentation up as well. Yeah. Um, first, I wanna start off by apologizing to Matt for calling him out a few meetings ago. Um, I let my frustrations get the best of me, so I'm sorry. Um, and I also have a correct, oh, I also have a correction, um, I'll get to that. Um, first things first, I'd like you to wait to vote on the Pierpont map, but that's not going to happen. So if you must, um, the Vaughn Shopping Center, the Marina Village Shopping Center, um, I think it's recommended to be four-story neighborhood center which may or may not have a problem getting approved by the Coastal Commission. So I would recommend Neighborhood Center three-story. It's not an actual designation, um, but that would limit it to three stories. And you'd still have residential and 60% um, commercial space, which would be great. Um, if not, just keep it coastal um, tourist-oriented so that uh, it wouldn't allow any residential. And that's a throwout for Mr. McReynolds. Uh, the fire training facility, keep it industrial or commercial. Um, and I just realized I left all my handouts at home. Uh, the commercial tourist oriented again would be limited to 30 feet and not allow residential and it would still be in keeping with the um, neighboring commercial. 2325 Vista Del Mar Drive, the lemon plant. Keep it industrial. We need the jobs really bad. At some meetings you say, oh, change the industrial to residential and you all argue, but we need the jobs. And then you want to change the farming to you know, industrial because we need industrial because we don't have any. Um, for economic purposes and to keep a balance, keep it industrial. But if you must, 
make it neighborhood low, low medium, which allows 7.1 units to 14 units an acre, and that's still 203 units. Uh, next slide. There's commercial tourist oriented. I got nine minutes, guys. Uh, next slide. Just so that we bring this home to everybody and each of you, I've highlighted actual counts of residential units in each district. Everyone except for the west side because I ran out of time. So this is 740 units. And tonight you'll be voting on four story, which allows up to 783 units on that KB parcel slash Ventura Coastal. Now imagine if all those units had to funnel down to Hemlock and exit Poli. That's the same as what's being zoned for Vista Del Mar. Next slide. This is what, 728 units, you know, 60 units short of what you'd be zoning for. Imagine if all of these units had to funnel down Cobalt, exit to Henderson. None of the side streets, no other way to get out. You have to go down Cobalt to Henderson. Next. This is 760 units above the college. Now imagine all of those can't use any streets of Foothill. They can't go down to Loma Vista. You can't use Ashwood. Everybody has to funnel out to Day Road. That's 23 units short of what could be allowed on Vista Del Mar. Next slide. This is 781 units, just too short of what would be allowed to be built on Vista Del Mar. Imagine all of those not being able to use Channel or Main Street or any of the, what, 10 or 11 streets that go up to Main Street. All of those have to funnel down to Ocean and exit onto Seaward. Next slide. This is Pierpont. So imagine pretty much everything south or west of uh, Pierpont Boulevard uh, has to go up seaward. No Peninsula, no San Pedro. Um, again, it's kind of ridiculous, especially in an emergency when the keys and everybody has to go up seaward. Next slide. This is uh, 733 units. If everybody had to go down to Moon and exit to Victoria, none of the other ways out, you couldn't use any other way out except for going to Moon and Victoria. That's what we're looking at. Next slide. So here's what all those units look like across the city. That little tiny red triangle right there is where you're gonna fit these units. Granted, it's only 430 units to 783, but it allows 783 units. All funneling down Alessandro onto Seaward, where there's you know freeway on ramps, off ramps. It's an emergency evacuation zone. The only other way out is down the residential side of Vista Del Mar, which is basically a one road lane. You all agree to that? Um, I, I just don't understand how that many cars could move without like major public improvement and dollars going into that, which kind of washes the whole idea of any money you might make from the units that they want to build. Keep it industrial, keep the jobs. Next slide. Just to look at what the neighborhood low medium would look like, if you must. Here they are. So for the lemon plant, that would be 203 units. 
And in case you're wondering, next slide, where you're going to put all or any lost units. Just a quick little list. It's handwritten and scratched, but there's roughly 40 acres I found on the east end, which has no density, increases. Three shopping centers decreased. But this is, could be if it's MU1, or I'm sorry, MU3 or MU4, that's 1,200 to 2,100 units. Next slide. And in our transportation study, um, I'd also like to point out the volume to capacity analysis informs the available road rate capacity in the city. In general, uh, the northeast area consists of roadways and with most available uh, capacity for future traffic growth, including roadways such as Kimball, Johnson, and Pettit. Not everything on uh, Midtown, Pierpont, downtown, and the west side. And that's all I got, and I even got time left over, so. Um, oh, I did one, one more correction. Um, I said we weren't allowed to participate at all in the two industrial parcels. Um, at the very beginning, back when GPAC was started, uh, they were allowed to discuss it. Um, there was a survey where the public could participate, and then after KB came around, it was off the table. Um, even though it went through GPAC, they weren't allowed to vote on it, and then it went to Planning Commission, and they only voted on the Marina Shopping Center, a village shopping center. Um, they didn't vote on the other two, so there's zero recommendations from GPAC or the Planning Commission on the two industrial sites on the Pierpont map. Thank you. And it's appealable because they're both within 300 feet of the coastal bluff. Good night. Next speaker is Pete Freeman, followed by uh, Paul Ferry. Got a presentation. There we go. Uh, good evening, Mr. Mayor, council members. Good to see you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pete Freeman. I'm a member of the GPAC and Westside Community Council. But tonight I'm speaking as a resident, not representing either of those entities. I'm going to back up a little bit and speak to you an area you've previously looked at. I would have addressed this earlier. Um, I would have addressed you earlier on this, but had been traveling abroad and was also waiting for clarification on current and future zoning for the area, which I didn't receive until late last week. So just as a reminder, that's the area, Area 3 on the west side. It's been a little while since you guys looked at it. Uh, west side, Area 3. It's long been a, it's been a long time desire of the west side to have a town or neighborhood center at this intersection with a neighborhood grocery store and other neighborhoods serving businesses. This is included in the 2020 west side vision, which is a document that has evolved with input of west side residents since 1999. Next slide, please. Uh, in the document, in the vision, it says Stanley Avenue Gateway. In the future, Stanley Avenue at Ventura Avenue should be a town center for the west side's North Avenue area. This would include a neighborhood market as an anchor. The Stanley Gateway would include neighborhood retail with pedestrian-friendly smart streets. <coughs> That's specifically why this area was designated commercial by the GPAC, not to eliminate businesses but to provide a neighborhood shopping area to serve existing and future housing, which also includes an additional 232 recently entitled units. Next slide, please. It was also supported by almost 76% of respondents to the detailed survey, as you can see here. Next slide. 
Area 3 consists of numerous long-time vacant parcels with existing commercial businesses and some industrial uses. If you feel it necessary, you can adjust Area 3 to include only the current vacant and commercial properties and leave the industrial areas as they are. Next slide. Parts of this area are already designated commerce in the 2005 general plan use designation map as shown here. So I ask you to please consider modifying the motion you made on September 11th and to reinstate Area 3 with a commercial designation as the survey respondents, GPAC members, and Westside residents have recommended and desired. Thank you. Paul Ferry, followed by Carol Spector. Paul's been seated time by Stephanie Caldwell. Paul, you'll have six minutes. Thank you. Is there any chance to get um, the Arundel track map up? On the uh, sure, at the Arundel truck, uh, track map. Good evening, Mayor. Good evening, Council Members. My name is Paul Ferry. I've lived in Ventura since 1987. I've been an industrial real estate broker since that time. And that's what I do every, every day, five days a week. Um, and I'm up here to object to the land use designation of office for the McGrath property because we don't need any more office. Not in my lifetime and probably not in the duration of this general plan. Um, I'm also representing the McGrath property in the sale of that property. And someone is going to come into this uh, market, hopefully, and spend $40 million and develop a, a master plan business park there won't be any office built there. There won't be any spec office. And I'm strongly suggesting that we have an underlying land use designation that supports an MPT zone, which this property is surrounded by. Uh, in the past, the MPT zone has uh, served us well. It's liberal, it's flexible, and it allows for light industrial, it allows for R&D, it even allows for office and retail. Um, if a large office user comes to this town, they're not gonna uh, locate the existing building, they're going to build a building for themselves. And that could be done on the MPD zoning. Um, I sent um, most, if not all of you, an email, so I'll try not to regurgitate all that information that I gave you. And I had a sit down with Council, Councilman Duran a couple of times and talked about, uh, you know, industrial real estate 101. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a history of, of industrial in Ventura. We currently have about nine and a half million square feet of industrial, about two million of that is on the avenue and about seven million of that is in the Arendelle tract. Oxnard, for instance, has 25 million square feet. So in the past, uh, master plan business parks have been attempted, um, but because of business cycles, they weren't fully subscribed and the developers have had to sell off lots to people and they built inconsistent product for themselves mostly and they didn't check all the boxes and they got bad advice on what to build. So when someone comes to our town, there are no buildings for them. We have a 2% vacancy right now. And if, you, if, if there was a piece of land, which there isn't now, um, if there was a piece of land that was developable, then we'd have to tell them it's going to be three years before you occupy that building. And that's a little, little too long for people to plan for. Um, there's a great case study that I'll cite, and that is about 20 years ago, there was a company out of Goleta called Pacific Scientific, and they wanted to locate in Ventura. They did a scatter study of where their employees came from, and most of them came from Ventura, surprisingly. Uh, also a few from, from Camarillo. 
So they, they went down to Oxnard where there was land. They were able to buy six acres, and they sat on that six acres for 15 years and never, never built. Um, then they finally sold the land, and of course, this is the way it goes in corporate America. They discover all of a sudden, yeah, we do want to locate down in the Oxnard Plain, and we have 150 engineers and high-paid employees that want to come down here. So they looked at Ventura very briefly. Uh, they were purchased by Northrop Grumman. Um, and there were two buildings in Oxnard that were going to work for them, and of course, they went into one of them. We can't capture any of those people. And we want to drive jobs, and we want to have high-paid people in our city, and we want to have less traffic because people from Ventura, the highly skilled people from Ventura, don't have to drive other places for jobs. We need a master plan business park. Um, some of the, some of the uh, flexibility that MPD zone might, might also afford us is, for instance, you have the Harrison brothers down on Colt Street. They, are gonna, they don't want to be landlocked. They, they need some expansion area, and that would be a great place for them to do it uh, without moving, without having uh, extraordinary expense. And that would probably end up, you know, we'd end up paying for it as citizens because our, our rates would go up. Um, even a large retailer comes to Ventura. There's nothing wrong with putting them at the top of that business park. Um, retail works very well with industrial. Uh, and if you put them on Valentine Road, if you all of a sudden have a, a compelling uh, you know, sales tax uh, generator, put them on the McGrath piece. Um, and I'm worried, about the, I'm worried about the office being used. I mean, we might as well have made it you know, circus zoning and wait for the flying monkeys to come because you know, it's not going to happen. Um, so in conclusion, I'm against, um, um, I'm against that land use designation, even though maybe the MPD could be manipulated behind it, as we know, land, land use designation and zoning are different things. Um, so I think that we need to seriously consider having that MPD in a light industrial zone, along with R&D. We want R&D in our city. We're just not going to expand office in the least. Uh, one of the other speakers I wanted to mention also said something about Ventura Coastal. And Ventura Coastal might not be an ideal residential location, but it's at least as bad as an industrial uh, location, honestly, because that access up that windy road with trucks is just, is, it doesn't really work. It's a thing of the past, and that's why Ventura Coastal and everybody else hasn't used that property for industrial since they built it originally. Thank you for your time. Next speaker is Carol Spector, followed by Spencer Noren. Um, I don't have any slides or anything too fancy, but um, so appreciative of you uh, taking your constituents' opinions and requests into consideration when going over the land use parameters. It's been really nice to hear you listening and, and responding. You expressed empathy for the residents of Montalvo and Johnson Drive because of increased traffic and crowding, and it does sound like a nightmare. As downtown is one of the last areas you're going to be considering tonight, and that's facing similar issues, I'm hoping you don't add any of the net loss of units from the other areas and upzone this historic and cherished part of Ventura. The downtown specific plan allows for a maximum of 3.25 to I think 4.25 stories, and yet we've already seen the contested approval of a 69-foot six-story building, and there are others in the pipeline. It's discouraging to know that whatever is zoned by statute can be ignored using the density bonus law 
to bypass our local plans. Because it is assumed from all of our discussions through all these weeks that we will stay at the same zoning, there probably aren't, actually I think I'm the last one to speak, speaking about this issue. So if for any reason you're going to not accept the GPAC recommendation and the Planning Commission recommendation, please continue the downtown issue so residents can make informed consent. Thank you. Next speaker is Spencer Nord. Spencer's been seated times by James Harbeck. Spencer, you'll have six minutes, and Spencer will be followed by our final speaker, Glenn Overly. Thank you, Michael. Welcome back. Mayor, Council, VPD, and also translation in the back. I got caught watching baseball a little bit early today, so thanks for catching me off my feet here. Um, I'm assuming we're talking about all the areas as well tonight we're discussing, the ones that are left. I did see the Arundel on North Bank, so I'm going to open a discussion on all of them. Mostly on the east side, talking about the grocery store conversation that's been going on for 10 years and looking at the possible annexation of that land again. I, I'm the person who's number one behind agriculture, not losing any of that. But if we do, talking about McGrath and also the other annexation on the 126 in Wells, I like those kind of specifically planned together also. We talked about last week using the three retail locations on Wells and Telegraph, Wells and Darling, and the Wells and the 126. How does that cohesively work together to getting that major goal of a de destination location on the east side? We're lacking so much community on the east side, totally, between f four, I mean, four and five. Liz knows this, we go to the west side, I want Liz to come to the east side the whole time. She doesn't even want to come over to my side of town. Kind of hurts my feelings. But she loves the east side, but you know what I'm saying, we need more activity going on. Um, also really wanted to mention about SOAR tonight and making the respect that the GPAC and the recommendations and about how keeping it further than just 2050, even though we talk about being landlocked areas, school boards involved, different ownerships, the east side especially between Kimball, Telephone, the Montavo area, Really important we look at the fluidity of the open space, and if we do change open space in areas beyond 25, 35, 50 years, I look at areas like the land parcel behind the 101 and Channel Drive. What's the future of that parcel? How do we make more park designations? That's what I think that this community needs the most cohesiveness as we move forward with the general plan. Yes, we can look plot by plot and very specifically at these areas, but everyone is in common with the cohesionness of wanting to get from the east side to the beach or from the west side to other amenities at the mall, the transit center down by the avenue. So as you think about these things, I really want you to just look at park designation, open spaces, and also agriculture. Thank you. And our final speaker is Glenn Overly. Glenn, you'll have nine minutes. Michael, can you hear me? We can, yes. And Glenn's been seated time by Patty Overly and Cindy Malecki. Go ahead, Glenn. Thank you, Michael. Good evening, Council. A couple of months ago, a council member stated, quote unquote, we do not like our general plan. And as such, the state is taking power away from municipalities across California. Council was provided with multiple documents to support this statement, which I completely agree with. Can you imagine passing a general plan without any realistic discussion or input from all stakeholders? A general plan is so important that we must get it right the first time. 
not force feed it to the public because of a timeline that was missed. At least one council member appeared very concerned about losing a grant because we may not make an artificial self-imposed unrealistic milestone. In fact, this council member gave the impression that they were ready to rubber stamp staff's initial recommendations and wanted to limit citizen input. I'm glad we didn't do that. Please remember that from the beginning of GPAC, citizens were promised opportunities to provide meaningful input during the process to create a new general plan. After a few GPAC meetings, it was abundantly clear that this was fluff and nothing more. During GPAC meetings, the members would come to consensus on an issue, and then at the end of the meeting, citizens were allowed to provide comment. At that point, decisions were already made and any input was a waste of time. That is my perception of the GPAC process. Much was promised, little was delivered. After nearly $3.5 million or so, some are trying to rush the process through without thoughtful reflection about future development throughout the city. Tonight, I wanna to focus my comments on the 14.5 acre Vista Del Mar site in Pierpont. The Vista Del Mar site in 2005 was designated as an industrial parcel, which GPAC from 2005 wanted to rezone to high density residential. As has been said on numerous occasions by citizens and former council members, this area cannot support the type of growth desired by the 2005 GPAC members. Keep in mind that some members of the 2005 GPAC were employed or influenced by the Housing Authority influence to create low-income housing opportunities. This 14.5-acre site was a large enough parcel for their vision. While Council passed the 2005 General Plan, they may not have been as committed as the 2005 GPAC members. Remember the earlier comments about not liking our general plan. In 2012 and 2013, this site was in front of council for a development that was approximately 150 homes or so. Did council approve the opportunity to develop the 14.5 acre site? The answer is no. Council rejected the proposal to develop this property into high-density residential. They provided their thoughts and comments in a complete denial of developing this property for residential use in a resolution, the number being CPA-2-11-5054. The most current local coastal plan on file with the Coastal Commission did not change the de designation on this parcel to high density residential, even though that was listed in the 2005 GPAC map. Yet here we are now and a different council and perhaps a different outcome. Since, since 2016, I have observed multiple council meetings and reviewed multiple city documents where the property was discussed by former council members who spoke to this council outlining the previous council's thought process on this parcel. The problem is we have no continuity with decisions being made as we lack institutional knowledge within this council. In general, whatever staff provides is the limit to council's knowledge on any given subject matter. In the past, having experienced seasoned council members, 
allowed an extra layer of personal knowledge to any discussion, which ultimately would influence any given decision. I know that we have a few council members that are working hard to understand the historic and present day information before making decisions on major issues like general plan. I appreciate each, I appreciate each of you and your abilities to work full time and still show up at meetings prepared to discuss important issues before council. I wish all council members have the time in their busy schedules to complete thorough reviews of staff documents and complete additional research and interviews before making important decisions like the one before you tonight. Please remember that the earlier words of current council members of our current council member, we do not like our general plan and the state is, and the state is taking power from municipalities throughout the state. Remember that. There are some on council that want to rubber stamp anything before them and always make certain to recognize staff's efforts for anything. It gets to the point where it becomes nauseating. Staff does not need your patronizing thank you, great job speeches. They need to see a good paying salary and be held accountable for good and the bad by the city manager, not council. Poor planning, unrealistic goals and milestones does not create an emergency that must be reconciled by passing every parcel GPAC and the planning commission reviewed without citizen input. The multiple opportunities for citizen input was promised from the onset. As an important note, the Vista Del Mar site was not included in discussions by GPAC or the planning commission. This parcel is listed in the 2005 general plan as high density residential. In the current coastal plan of record, it is still listed as industrial. I believe the timeline and milestones for general plan was overly ambitious for a multitude of reasons. One of the biggest is probably the understaffing in the department responsible for this activity. I do not know where the city has planned for this property as it has not been discussed as part of the new general plan. I know that there is communications between the city and KB Home on this property. Citizens that live in this area have, dis have discussed leaving the property as industrial. That's their wishes at this point. The city seems set to create housing on the site in spite of difficult transportation and pedestrian issues associated with the roadways that lead to this property. I'm gonna say something that's probably gonna be uh, unpopular. I might offer a different use for this property. Develop the site for 50 to 75 high-end custom homes with a park and walkway throughout the property. Create the pedestrian overpass that was promised. This is the last true view quarter for the ocean and coastline views. It is also the seaward entry to our city. Why overpopulate it with 400 plus apartments, condos, and single family residents? High-end properties like I have described will bring the executives and money that will build the future of our city. Take advantage of the opportunity to build another Hobson Height type community as you enter Midtown from Pierpont. Remember the words of our current councilman. We do not like our general plan. And because of that, the state of California is taking away some options that we have in developing our properties. Let's make the appropriate decision on this vital coastal view property. Thank you.
Mr. Mayor, we did receive one additional request for public comment. Mark Abbey will be our final speaker. Mark, you'll have three minutes. Go ahead. Can you hear me? We can. Yes, hi, my name's Mark Abbey. I'm the chair of the District 6 Montalvo Community Council. I wanted to first of all thank uh, Councilman Member Jim Duran for advocating on behalf of the Montavo community on the Montavo area map on November 9th. Jim, you did a great job. You listened to your community and we thank you so much. And beyond that, I want to thank the council. You listened to Jim, you listened to us. We worked hard on that plan for over two years and you seem to recognize that and we're very appreciative of that. I wanted to speak briefly about the Victoria Corridor, specifically Area 4. Um, GPAC recommended that it be reduced from mixed use 6 to mixed use 3, and that is appropriate. The, the Planning Commission agreed with that as well, mixed use 3 in Area 4 and the Victoria Corridor. And uh, I just wanted to affirm that that is what our Community Council has been advocating for all along. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. And that concludes public comment on item number six. On to council deliberations. Councilmember McReynolds. I was just, at, do we have an order that we're gonna do this in? We were gonna begin with Victoria. Did you want to pull up the Victoria map, please? Discussion from City Council on the GPAC and PC supported direction. We have agreement between these two bodies on these recommendations, correct? That's correct, Mayor. Any questions or issues? If not, I'll move on to the next area. The next area, Ms. Sayer, would be? Was the Pierpont, the Victoria and the Pierpont had agreement between the Planning Commission and the GPAC. There was not agreement from the public on some of the areas. Uh, for Pierpont? For Victoria and Pierpont. As shown on the screen here for Victoria, um, area one, and area two did not have agreement from the public on the changes that were proposed by Planning Commission and GPAC, but the Planning Commission and GPAC were in support of all the changes that are shown here on the screen. Okay. On to Pierpont, please. Uh, this again, the Planning Commission supported the GPAC's direction. There was not agreement from the public on Area 1, but there was agreement between the GPAC and the Planning Commission. And the, the public wanted three stories versus four story at the Marina Village Shopping Center. They wanted, uh, this was to change the neighborhood center designation to mixed use three, and the public wanted it to maintain neighborhood center. I'm sorry, thank you. Mr. McReynolds. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, let's pick up where we started last week. 
And can we talk about the fire station, the temporary fire station proposed and why we're changing that property and why if we're going to have it for at least another, I think they said decade minimum, why would we change that to commercial? So the thought process there, when we began this process, which has been a few years now, um, the alternatives explored this being residential in the, the um, expansion and um, distributed and core models. Um, through, that, through that discussion, what occurred was the beginning of the discussions of the interim fire station. Uh, the site is currently industrial, and the thought process here was to make it commercial to match the adjacent. Should it stay a fire station, the commercial would support that. If it was to change from a fire station, it would be commercial, uh, similar to the adjacent land use. What were your discussions with the fire department on that? The f fire department was, was open to having a commercial as, as it would not prohibit them from having a fire station there. And then uh, <clears throat> area one, the Marina Village Shopping Center. I mean, generally, uh, I, I believe that we have the potential for creating food deserts. Uh, I would support keeping that as strictly commercial so that the uh, bonds and uh, what's the, the place with the bear, uh, the, the restaurant? Black, Black Bear Cafe, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and such, the Starbucks and donut shop uh, would all uh, stay there. That would be my preference. Thank you. Other questions or discussions on Pierpont? I do have a question on the former fruit pecking plant. So the, what is the number of units that KB Homes has thrown around, if that's the right word on that parcel? Do you recall? Uh, it's in, so just to be clear, we haven't taken in an application from them pending council's um, review of the terms. Um, they have th thrown around uh, somewhere in the 300s. They did receive direction from council when this was last discussed in May to not only look at high density residential, but to explore neighborhood medium of a density between nine to 20. Um, if KB Homes did explore that option, that could be less units than what they were initially anticipating. Okay, so 9 to 20, and there's 14 and a half acres there? Correct. So at the upper end, if we just called it 14 acres, then 280 homes, is that correct? In the, in the 200s, yes. Okay. Councilmember Campos. I just wanted to recommend we hear the voice of the community when we're discussing this neighborhood about traffic. I, I have gone in my wheelchair down Seaward because there's no buses there and, and there's a dangerous amount of traffic any time of day. Councilmember Campos, um, Upper Seaward or that area that um is above the freeway in particular is that the area you're referring to um all the way from thompson 
past Ocean down to the shopping center called Marina Village Shopping Center at Harbor, I believe. Other questions and issues? I, I do um, agree with an earlier comment that was made, and I have said this publicly for a while, that there is a problem at Vista Del Mar. Once you go over seaward, um, I don't know who designed Vista Del Mar, how many years ago it was. I, I hope that person doesn't design any roads again. Um, it's, it's difficult to contemplate six or 700 additional residents um, using a one-way street going out that way. Um, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that's just off. I don't think you have to be a transportation specialist to see that. In fact, anybody who goes down that part of Vista Del Mar has a problem today. Um, it's so narrow, and with the railroad there, it's, it's not like you can widen that road much. Councilmember Halter. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I just want to say is that I agree with a lot of what's been said by the public and by uh, Councilmember Campos in that um, I think as you look at uh, how landlocked that parcel is, um, the packing plant, I would be in favor of reducing the density to neighborhood medium uh, for that. And what would you like to reduce it to? A neighborhood medium, I think it's called. It's the 9 to 20. And along with that, I just wanted to mention that I was trying to compare what's existing uh, on our zoning and uh, land use designation to what we're proposing. Because so many parts, so many different zoning codes existing today are actually allow up to six stories tall in most places. And so we're, we're actually doing a really thoughtful processing of where could some density be, uh, higher density housing, and where could it not be? Because as I was trying to identify, uh, there's at least seven different zoning codes currently that allow for up to six stories. So we're actually really are paring this down and saying, hey, this can be three stories, this can be four stories. This, this area might allow five or six. But so I look at uh, neighborhood uh, center for uh, the shopping center. I would be in favor of neighborhood center. I think, um, I, well, uh, I definitely believe in the commercial component. And I know mixed use, the real difference between neighborhood center and mixed use is that mixed use can be 100% uh, residential. And I wouldn't want, want to see that happen. That is way too valuable as a commercial site. But I do think neighborhood center is a possibility there. And I do think uh, neighborhood medium for the packing plant area is a good compromise. And one final thing <laughs> is that um, you got to keep in mind that a lot of our city was, you know, we're one of the oldest cities in the state. And um, while a packing plant was appropriate 100 years ago, um, I don't believe that prime ocean view property is the best use. And I think prior to SOAR in the mid-1990s, there was probably a lot of discussion to uh, connect um, before the, the freeway was really Thompson before. I mean, a lot of changes happened that bifurcated the access there on Vista Del Mar. So 
Uh, right now we have lots of agriculture all around it, and that's going to be the case at least till 20, 2045 or 2050. So uh, with that said, I think these are good decisions. And the general plan is our vision forward, and it's our map that tells the world this is who we are, this is what we value, and this is what we allow to happen if you so choose to invest. Councilmember Johnson. Thank, thank you, Mayor. Ms. Ayer, when we look at that, um, that KB parcel, the former fruit packing plant, um, the difference between four-story multifamily and uh, neighborhood medium density, as I recall, when we were looking in particular at that project, we talked quite a bit about affordable housing and what would be required under, uh, I believe it was going to be held to an earlier inclusionary housing ordinance. What impact would this change have on the number of affordable units that we could be seeing at this parcel? So the terms we negotiated with um, KB Homes actually ended up being a hybrid based on council's direction. It was to use the interim inclusionary housing ordinance requirement of 20% for four sale units, which was the interim inclusionary, and then use the new inclusionary housing requirement for the rentals, which was 15% for the rentals with 10% of it being low and 5% of it being very low. So regardless of the density associated, that percentage would still be captured in it. It would just result in an overall fewer amount of units. Thank you, but so we'd be looking at 20, if, if we're talking about neighborhood medium, then we're talking about for sale units, correct? Uh, they could do for sale or rental. There was no distinction. They would need to do 20% if they do for sale um, and 15% if they do rental. If they do a combo, they'd have to do 20% of the first sale and 15% of the rental. Thank you so much. Is it accurate if, if we were to go to neighborhood medium, if we just say there's 14 acres, and if I took a midpoint, 9 to 20, I think is the, is the density, is that correct? So the neighborhood medium based on our draft land use designations. A, a big comment we heard from the public was tiering our residential. They thought the, the, the um, extent of the amount of density in each of the designations was too much, so we broke them down into smaller pieces. Neighborhood medium would be 14.1 units to 20 dwelling units per acre. If you wanted to go lower to the nine, you could go neighborhood low medium. That would be 7.01 units per acre to 14 units per acre. Say the last part again. If we went to neighborhood low medium, that range would be, in essence, 7 to 14. Neighborhood medium would be 14 to 20. And on the neighborhood low, 7 to 14, if you went to the 14, then that's going to give you about 200 homes in that area. About am I, my math about right? We're we're doing it right now. So if we were to do the 14 units per acre, am I, it, it, that that's the height of that range, correct? Yes, of well, of the neighborhood low medium. Are you if the height of neighborhood medium is 20? Other comments? 
onto the next area. Does council want to make a decision on this pier pond or discuss another area? What's our, let's do another one, is that good? So, I'm sorry, Mayor, just your question about density. For 20 units per acre, it would be 280 units. For 14 units per acre, it would be 196 units. Okay. And, and I know there's uh, some people, I've, I've talked to a great number of people in the area, um, and I don't see this, I, I would agree with Councilmember Halter that I don't see this as an industrial area. It has ocean views. But I know if I lived on Vista Del Mar, I'd probably want it an industrial because it's less traffic and all that. But if we have to go residential, I sure like going with some of these numbers more than some of the other numbers I saw that were, I believe, twice as much as this. So, okay, on to the next area. I could just get clarification from council. We want to come back to Pierpont after we discuss other areas. Where would you like us to go next? Council? I, I think we could do the discussion through everything and then we'll come back and okay. do the. Let's roll through everything and then come back for a final vote. Any area in particular or would you like us just to pick? Uh, go ahead and pick. We've got SOAR and what else do we have? Soar East Side and downtown and Arundel North Bank area. Okay, Soar. And then these areas are going to be areas where there was agreement across Planning Commission, GPAC, and the public. We like that. Any questions from City Council on this? Let's go on to the next one then, please. And this is east side where there's um, GPAC and PC support as well? As well as the public, correct. Okay. Mr. McReynolds. So um, reiterating, I have the same concerns regarding uh, the uh, Smart and Final Shopping Center at Kimball and Telegraph, uh, that it should remain commercial only, not neighborhood center or mixed use six. And then the same thing with the uh, uh, grocery outlet center. Uh, that it would remain um, strictly commercial. Um, on a, I mean, if you if you look at the, on the on that on that map, the two areas where the the sorry the the old uh, Albertsons was now Smart and Final, and the old Ralphs now Grocery Outlet. Those are the only two shopping centers in the entire East End, and I think we need to protect those. Uh, and not allow residential development um, on those in any form. Thank you. Okay. Madam Deputy Mayor. I agree. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, um, I think uh, as previously stated, uh, many years in trying to get uh, more uh, commercial uh, grocery store in particular out on that end, so to change those parcels um, I think would be detrimental to the businesses that are currently there, um, and it could minimize what we already have. So I would um, 
not be in favor of changing those, but keeping them commercial. Thank you. Councilmember Johnson. Thank you. I, I certainly understand where my colleagues are coming from, and I, and I do think it makes a lot of sense. I would just remind my colleagues that um, the more we, we downzone from what was brought to us, the more likely it is that we're going to need to come back and do some upzoning, and that could be, uh, it could cost us a, a bit of money if, because we'd be paying Ramey and Associates, and it would also take some time. And uh, if you think it's hard to go along with the GPAC recommendation, because it upzones, imagine when we have to come back and do some real upzoning, and it's all on us. Thank you, Mayor. Any other comments on the east side? Thank you for that, Mr. Johnson. If, if I could just add to what Councilmember Johnson said, for these shopping centers, um, particularly here on the east side, the existing was mixed-use six stories, so that does have a lot of residential capacity it carries, particularly because our, um, commercial, our commerce mixed-use zone or land use designation allowed for 100% residential or 100% commercial. If you change the shopping centers to commercial, that will be significant downzoning. There will be hundreds of units we're going to have to find elsewhere. Not to dissuade you from doing that, just know that we would have a, a more challenging time finding sites to uh, make up the units. For example, the last site that um, council changed to commercial carried a capacity of 800 units. Uh, Councilmember Halter. Just for clarity, uh, I see on the map it says a change to neighborhood center four stories from mixed use six stories on and similar on that uh, agricultural property uh, next to 126 and Wells. So are those uh, neighborhood center, uh, that's what's being proposed here right now, right? Yes, so the sites that are all identified with a one, these shopping centers are all being proposed as neighborhood center. This larger site um, is not currently not within city limits, it is county, um, but they did, through discussions, identify that if that's annexed into the city to make that neighborhood center as so well. So our housing calculations were based upon that designation at this a point? Upon these number ones having neighborhood center on them, yes. Great, thank you. So, uh, I'll ask a question to, I, I know the Deputy Mayor and Mr. McReynolds I completely understand trying to protect the shopping centers and I would not want to shove the shopping centers out of the east side. It's been in front of us for the last couple of years that there's a lack of shopping opportunities. Um, and, I, and I guess your, um, your thought process is that if we make it commercial then there's, you're a lot more confident that we protect those completely. Okay. Uh, if there's no other questions, oh, I'm sorry, Ms. Campos. Yes, could I ask um, some of the experts who are here with us? If, if it's designated neighborhood center, does that not mean 50% commercial and 50% housing or some percentage. Does that mean you can completely eliminate the business? A neighborhood center was 
a land use that was specifically crafted for this purpose because we heard a lot of this in the discussions of people wanting to maintain their shopping centers and not lose the commercial base that they had there, especially the grocery stores. So we crafted the neighborhood center land use designation that would require that to remain. So there could be 40% of the site where residential is added to, but the commercial and the um, grocery stores, CVSs and things would need to remain. Thank you for the clarity. The, the neighborhood center, is it similar to the area in Ventura now where that Ralph supermarket is, um, and then there's those condos, I believe, um, on, back behind Ralph's? Um, is that so similar in to- In the Montavo a, area? Yes. Um, so that, uh, they similarly, if you took that apartment complex and that shopping center and, com and had that on one big piece of, of property, such as a center, it would be something like that, where a portion of the parking lot you could do residential, as the neighborhood center says, up to four stories, which is about what Island View Apartments is, and then the shopping center would remain on on. Um, the rest of it. So it's something similar to that where commercial could be added or residential could be added to the upper floors or could take a portion of um, the parking lot footprint but not to displace the commercial uses there. Okay, I, I find myself between wanting to protect, absolute protection for the supermarkets and shopping area and then on the other, the other rock that I find are us between is the need for more housing to hit the numbers that we're supposed to hit. So, and I'm looking at Mr. McReynolds now, I have this feeling that you're saying we make these changes, we get to the end and we find out what the final score is and then if we have to, then we're gonna have to find more locations for housing. Okay. Did, I, I did was, just wanna add too, I mean, I, I think for the East End, uh, the East End has been the area that has seen the most growth in residential development. And, um, and again, no commercial or hardly any commercial. And whatever commercial is there has been there for a while. So nothing new in terms of commercial. Um, so I, I just want to reiterate that. Okay. If there's no other questions, we'll move on to the next site. We have downtown. And we had support here both from PC, uh, from uh, Planning Commission and GPAC. And the public. And the public. Let me clear this up. Any questions, discussion? Mr. McReynolds? I just want to remain consistent. Uh, I, I do not support the uh, neighborhood center at the Vaughn Shopping Center. Uh, I believe that that's the major retailer for downtown and the west side. I do realize that the west side has a variety of uh, additional shopping experiences more than the west side ha or east side has, but at the same time, it is a, a major uh, retail center, and I would support that as commercial only. Um, I have a second comment regarding the uh, parking structure. Uh, so we have a, uh, a failing parking structure uh, at the end of uh, California and Harbor. Uh, I, I feel like uh, we are ignoring a major issue. Uh, we have an opportunity here to relook at how we were uh, we are doing this. 
So I think it's uh, the responsibility of the council to figure out what we can do to incentivize some kind of public-private pu partnership to get that parking structure uh, demoed and rebuilt. Uh, and we need to look at, explore ways to, that that should be done. Uh, so I would be in favor of uh, potentially a height overlay on uh, the parking structure. Okay, um, Mr. Johnson. Thank you, I take uh, Council Member McReynolds' comments about the parking structure to heart. Obviously, that's one that I, I really pushed to make sure that we had a chance at Council to, to discuss some of the issues around parking. Um, I, I will note that it's incredibly complicated in part because there is also a deed restriction on what we can do on part of it. And um, it's all tangled up in, in coastal as well. But so because of that, I, I would suggest we just roll with what we've got here on the parking structure because at some point, as it is with so many other things, we are going to have to be doing zoning changes and looking at things uh, during the existence of this upcoming general plan. And I think that would be something we could certainly do at that point. Thank you. Councilmember Campos. Ms. Zayer, could you remind me what the community survey said about the Bond Shopping Center? So the existing designation there was mixed use four, which would allow either 100% residential, 100% commercial. So the sentiment from GPAC, the Planning Commission, and the public was to do neighborhood center so that the commercial would maintain. Thank you. Councilmember Halter. Yes, I just want to say that um, I agree, though, with uh, Councilmember McReynolds regarding the parking structure. I think there needs to be some consideration to allow and encourage tourist-oriented uh, activity to happen there in a financially feasible way, in a way that fits our values and fits that location. Um, I'm not sure exactly what limitations are on that, but that would be considered as we move forward. Uh, when it comes to the Vaughan Shopping Center, um, you know, I guess where I'm, I'm just, I'm not quite there with some of my colleagues. I just don't see, um, I see a lot more flexibility with neighborhood center. So as I look at shopping centers that have not been improved for many years, I have to ask the question, why? Why have they not been improved? And is it because for what they make, what the property owner makes on that business isn't enough to warrant changing anything or improving anything or for God, God's sakes got even pull the weeds in some of the parking lots you know so I just I got to believe that adding flexibility to those parcels uh, and allowing commercial to stay there and, or be there and, and requiring it to be there I think you said 60% is that right Miss Ayer 60% of it commercial correct correct okay I think that's a good thing. I also feel, I know it was two blocks of downtown that was bulldozed to put up that Vaughn Shopping Center. And um, it kind of flies in the face of being the west end of downtown to have a sea of parking there. Uh, the only thing that sits on the street is Burger King. Uh, well, actually, there's the Chinese place down there. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, so I, I guess... I like neighborhood center. I like neighborhood center because it gives flexibility. It gives property owners a chance to incentivize, be incentivized to do something better there. And uh, I don't want to see it go away. That's why I wouldn't support mixed use because mixed use can be 100% re 
residential. But I do think that incentivizing property owners to do something better than just what we have in those shopping centers is a good thing. I like the Vaughn shopping, not Vaughn, the Ralph shopping center. Is it off of Victoria? Um, I like how that turned out with the houses behind it. Um, it's, it's a pretty functional area from my, from my viewpoint in use of it. Um, and I think uh, uh, several of these older shopping centers, this one happens to be one of the newer ones in our city, but a lot of these really can be put to bigger and better uses and just really add value and enhance our neighborhoods, I think. Councilmember Johnson. Thank you, Mayor. Just just building on that, um, I certainly, uh, I lean towards Councilmember Halter on this one about the flexibility. I will note that um, as we look at that shopping center and it hasn't really seen a lot of work, that changing it from its current use to neighborhood center would be removing a lot of flexibility. It wouldn't be adding it. It would be removing a lot of flexibility from what they have now. It's just that keeping it, making it commercial would uh, eliminate all flexibility. So it is certainly more flexible than commercial. I just want to point out that it's less, flexi less flexible than what they have now. Thank you. Ms. Campos? No. Councilmember Halter? Councilmember Duran? Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. I, I'm in a agreement with um, Councilmember McReynolds, Councilmember Halter when it comes in regards to the parking structure, um, totally in agreement. And, um, you know, in regards to the, the neighborhood centers, like right now, uh, a lot of these neighbor or, or a lot of these uh, shopping centers are mixed use already, and there's no housing being built. Uh, the, the commercials being preserved on there. And I, you know, I'm in agreement that the neighborhood center gives us, gives the landowner um, more flexibility. It doesn't mean that they're going to go out and and build housing on it right now. They're not even doing it right now. So, but if we take that away, I mean, because right now, I mean, they could have already built 100% housing on the mixed use, and they haven't done that yet. So, um, the mix, the um, neighborhood center gives them more flexibility. So, I, I, I'm looking at that being probably a, a better solution. So, you're agreeing with the GPAC approach on this slide? That is correct. Okay, other comments? Let's move on to Arundel. Arundel, North Bay area. And this one also had Planning Commission, GPAC, and public support. Mr. McReynolds? Yeah, um, I heard the comments that uh, Mr. Ferry made, and uh, I'm going to tie them into kind of my thoughts on the uh, the commercial centers also uh, in terms of versus, and I think we're really in this flex area. I don't think retail has figured out retail yet uh, in a post Amazon, you know, market. And uh, so my hesitation there is if we disincentivize retail uh, or the, our retail centers, we might lose them. Um, I think here with the McGrath properties, and I think what Mr. Ferry was saying is we need to give the flexibility instead of putting it kind of in that box of office. I mean, we're looking at multiple office facilities going down. I know the uh, Maple Court 
there's an old office, you know, that's being looked at converting to apartments. So I don't know if office is the right uh, use here. Uh, Mr. Ferry says he represents the property owner. Um, I think we should be looking at putting in what's going to give us the greatest flexibility. I think he said there's 30 million and versus R9, you know, and Oxnard's been getting that. So I think we should look at that. And I think we have an opportunity to really build a, a pretty cool green, you know, business park uh, here. Thank you. Mr. Durant. Yeah, I'm in 100% agreement with Mr. McReynolds on that. Um, what Mr. Ferry was saying is absolutely correct. Um, I think there needs to be a, a master plan business park for that area, without a doubt. But for now, I think we should leave it. Um, you know, he, uh, Mr. Ferry was talking about MPD zone, the zoning MPD. But, you know, general industrial, light industrial, I mean, R&D office, that, all, that can all be included in that. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I think that we need to to look at that, not as a recommendation, but actually um, keep it as uh, general industrial with R and D with um, um, with office, but absolutely not what the recommendation is. Ms. Sayer. Uh, Thank you, Mayor Council. If I could just clarify here, because I think there's some confusion around office R&D. The, the reason office R&D was selected was uh, exactly for that flexibility. So if you read in the land use designations, the office R&D allows office, employment center, research areas, development, and allows everything in the light industrial flex designation. So it was intended for office, research development, and light industrial to be an all-encompassing type of land use designation to allow maximum flexibility. Um, the Planning Commission recommendation as well as the GPAC discussion was to do a specific plan for this area um, to kind of layer additional zoning or create specific zoning for this. Um, you're absolutely correct. This isn't zoning. This is land use designations. Uh, we have been in discussion with both a broker who is a potential buyer of the site as well as the brokers and property owners, and they're both in agreement for the office R&D designation for that flexibility. And then this was specifically crafted as six stories to provide kind of the maximum flexibility if there was a mix of office uses that wanted taller office buildings as well as research development or industrial, they could have that flexibility. So I just wanted to, to clarify that was the intent. Thank you, that helps a lot. Mr. McReynolds? Yeah, so generally, uh, well, more absolutely, I don't believe we should have any residential, what I'm gonna call south of the 101. So can you tell me about the property to the left of the one on my screen here? So this left of building one here? Yep, correct. That's a mobile home park. Can we change the zoning there? Or the land use, sorry, the land use. I would not recommend changing the designation of a mobile home park. Uh, HCD is involved in the designations and protections of mobile home park. That's a much more complex uh, process than us just changing the designation of them. They are protected by state laws and, and layers if we were gonna take a mobile home park off commission. Okay, and then let's talk about the piece at Olivas uh, Park and Victoria. This triangle here? Yeah, so wh why is that mixed use essentially south of the 101? Like 
That is what the existing general plan has designated. It, it, it allows um, basically mixed use up to six stories there. Um, there is an active development application for this site, which is why we didn't propose it as a site to change designations at this time. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Sear, on, on that property, that is not in a floodplain, correct? Uh, no, it is not. Okay. Um, I, to, in full transparency, don't think this is a great site for residential. However, our existing regulations allow for it, and they have used state law to, process, to submit an application for residential development there. Other questions? Next area, do we have another one? That's all of them that are remaining. Okay, so should we go back area by area and then vote? Ms. Campos, do you have a? Mayor, I would like us to, um, as Mr. Freeman suggested, revisit the one small area in the west side. Would you like me to pull that map up? Please. Um, yes, thank you. It's, it's, it's the area in red. And right now it's property that's not used except for storage. And um, I believe we should change that to, to, I believe he suggested mixed use commercial. I'm not sure. On area three? Yes. It was commercial, was the suggestion. Okay. Um, Councilmember Johnson? Yeah. Thank you, Mayor. You know, I, I do, I as well think that we should revisit this one. I, I think we made a mistake the last time around. We were so uh, gung ho on keeping things labeled as, as industrial that we overlooked this one. This one was a long time coming, and um, as, as Mr. Freeman alluded to, this has long been part of a West Side vision. That, and, and what we're seeing here, the, the properties, and Ms. Ayer might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I think one of the smaller parcels has a business on it. Um, and I think perhaps the topmost parcel uh, is is being used, but for the most part, they are vacant. I, I will note that when we talk about vacancy rates in industrial parcels um, in the city, that uh, when we talk about you know CBRE saying that there's one percent vacancy rate, or Mr. Ferry saying two percent, they're they're speaking about um, building occupancy. Um, we certainly have uh, vacant industrial parcels. It's just so many of them are so small that it's, it's not feasible for somebody to come in at the economy of scale necessary now to, to make a profitable industrial development. But I think we see that, again, with those parcels on three, when you look at where they are on the avenue, that they are mostly unused and that this has been part of the West Side vision for a long time. With that, I would move that uh, on number three, that we go back to the recommendation of the general plan advisory committee as well as the planning commission and make that commercial three stories is there a second on that mr mayor yes. could i just uh, provide a point of clarification um this area was voted on before by motion 
not to make this process overly complicated, but I, I think per the protocols, we probably would need a motion to set aside the, the rules and a motion for reconsideration, and then in order to be able to vote on this section three again. And, and as somebody who voted no on the original one, I would not be able to make a motion to reconsider, so I can't do that. Thank you. Ms. Well, if we set aside the rules, then I guess that rule could be set aside as well. So you, you're saying I need a motion to set aside the rules to vote on this issue? That's correct. And a is, motion for reconsideration. Is there a motion? I would move to set aside the rules to vote on this. Is there a second? I second that. Okay. And then if I may, actually I think what the West Side vision has been since the 1990s, late 1990s, was for a neighborhood center designation in that location. And so I would move for a neighborhood center designation on number three. Is there a second? Do we step through it? Can we do the motion? to set aside first, and then a motion for reconsideration, and then the motion. Okay, Sorry. so I yes. need a motion to set aside area three? We did that. We just need a vote we, on that. We have a motion and a second on the floor to suspend the rules. Thank so you. Go ahead and enter your vote now. All votes have been entered. Six ayes, one no, the motion carries. And we need a motion for reconsideration. Is there a motion for reconsideration? I move we reconsider the zoning for area three on the west side. Do I have a second? I'll second that. Discussion. My understanding is that you want to make this neighborhood center area three? Yes. Uh, Mr. Mayor, if we could uh, take the motion and the second on the floor to reconsider the map first, okay. and then the next motion would be uh, the motion of the, the map. Thank you. So Let's vote. You can go ahead and enter your vote now to reconsider area three of the west side map. All votes have been entered. Six ayes, one no. The motion carries. Now we can take a motion. Okay. If I can make a friendly suggestion, if we, if the motion is, if the desire is only to change area three, that the motion include to keep all previous discussion and voting from the previous um, discussion on the west side with the amendment to area three. Um, as the only area for reconsideration. So we don't have to go back area by area and discuss all of the other areas that you voted on individually. Um, Councilmember Campos, the reason they went with commercial versus neighborhood center is that they wanted to keep it purely commercial. Neighborhood center would allow residential here. So the intent of commercial was there would be no residential and it would only be commercial. And then Councilmember Halter, you would then need to recuse yourself from this item due to your conflict of interest um, regarding your property on the west side. Excuse me, um, Mr. Mayor, if I may. I'm, I can't, I don't have a ruler with me, but it looks like I'm more than 500 feet away from there. So I believe that I would be okay to vote. 
If we're reconsidering the whole area in one motion, that would be encompassing. If you did want to break it up, then we could do that too. Got it. That makes sense. So now we're breaking it up just as area three. And if, it, if that's the way the motion's going to go, then Councilman Halter can stay because he's not within 500 feet of area three. If you would like to break it up so Councilmember Halter could participate, it would be one motion for all areas except area three where Councilmember Halter would need to recuse himself and then only area three, which at that point you could um, participate in the vote. Mr. Mayor, um, yes. I, um, I may be recalling incorrectly because it's been a few weeks now. I thought we took this in section. Mm -hmm. We did. We, we did. My recommendation was only if we didn't want to go back and take it section by section again and wanted to maintain all of West Side based on the last vote and only change area three, that we do two, two votes with all of the other remaining areas and then area three separately. That would, however, touch Councilmember Halter's property. But council can break it up in any way they'd like. Mr. Mayor, if, if, if I may, uh, apologies. The last motion was a motion to reconsider area three of the west side map only. So the, the area being reconsidered at the moment is area three on the west side map only was the previous motion. Okay, and, and I got a second for that as well? The, yes, and that motion uh, passed uh, six ayes and one no. Okay. I'm going to proceed so ahead I, with the... Just to, I'm sorry, Mr. Mayor. Go ahead. Everything else would stay. It would just be item three or section three that would change with this motion. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry. I confused things. I apologize, Council. It's confusing. Thank you for keeping us on our toes. Nobody said democracy was efficient. Um, yes, Mr. Halter. Yeah, just to make sure then is that, again, section three is what's in red, correct? Yeah. Just what's in red. Okay, then I'm safe. Councilmember Durant. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, Ms. Ayer, if, if you don't mind, did... Could you remind me what what business is on three right now? So there are about four or five properties in that area three segment. The first couple of parcels are vacant. They don't have any existing businesses there now. As you do go down to the smaller pieces or the smaller parcels, there are some existing businesses there that range from like automotive uses or light industrial type uses. And so if we went uh, strictly commercial, then those light industrial businesses would have to move out? No, that's not the case. Okay. Um, if they were, um, a, yeah. they would be legal non-conforming if they were industrial beyond what would commercial would allow. Um, the automotive use, uses are also allowed in commercial, so they would be able to exist in either. And uh, to that, on the corner there, if it's commercial, then we can allow, or a, there's a possible McDonald's that could be built there as well, right? If that's commercial. In where my cursor is? Yes. It, that is correct. So going commercial and even a, uh, to Ms. Compass's uh, point, even a um, neighborhood center, would a McDonald's be able to go into a neighborhood center as well? Yes, retail restaurant use is allowed in commercial. Okay, and what, what, what I've been hearing from the West End with, I, I would say at least 100 emails, um, they don't want things like McDonald's there, which would allow that to 
take place if we changed it to that. And if there's industrial that's already there, light industrial, um, heavy, yeah. If industrial's already there and those businesses are already there, I just, I just have a, a challenge changing that. Councilmember Campos? Yes, we've all gotten many emails about that particular use. But the West Side vision has, the West Side has envisioned a uh, grocery and retail use in this location for more than two decades. And I think out of respect for the West Side Council and the West Side Community Development Corporation and many others involved, um, we should change this to neighborhood center with, um, I, I would designate it three-story max. Um, the neighborhood will do what they do with McDonald's when that comes forward. Right now, I believe it's on hold. But they've invited the that owner several times to meet with them, and we'll have to let that run its course. My motion stands to turn number three to neighborhood center with three-story maximum. Um, other discussion? I just want to clarify, neighborhood center allows heights up to four stories and 55 feet. The commercial allows up to three stories and 40 feet. I stand corrected, and I will correct to four stories. Mr. Johnson, somehow my queuing system's not work. If, if your council members are hitting their queuing system, um, I have a picture of the city hall in my queuing system, so you're going to have to get my attention otherwise. Mr. Johnson. Thank you, Mayor. I don't believe we have the second on that. I would, I would second that motion. You know, just as I did with Montalvo when I largely deferred to council member... The motion is for the neighborhood center designation. On we have a motion. Did we have a second? That's right. We had a motion made by Councilmember Campos, and Councilmember Johnson seconded the motion. Um, just as I defer to Councilmember Duran and his district, I, I, I really appreciate the experience that, that Councilmember Campos has with many years of advocacy in that, uh, in, in that neighborhood. I, I will note that this doesn't give a green light to a McDonald's or anything. There's still a, a whole process that has to happen. And, um, you know, a zoning change was just one of the steps that, that they would have to do, but there are other steps that would still have to be done. But so with that, I would, yeah, I second the motion. Um, I've got Councilmember Halter and then Councilmember Duran or Councilmember Reynolds. Just for clarity, though, is um, what was decided upon for that parcel? when we voted before. Ms. Sayer, do you recall? Industrial. Light industrial, flex, is that what it says? What, what you voted on last time was to keep um, the existing designations, which that is light industrial, is general industrial now. And light industrial, it has some parcels that are light, some parcels that are general. The only thing I gotta say that I'm a little uneasy about, uh, I tend to think uh, the neighborhood center is a good way to go. Um, where I'm uneasy is that we've been taking this section by section. Can you talk a little closer to the mic, thanks. We've been taking this section by section and various people have come to speak on certain items. 
and I have no idea what those businesses or what the, that property owner would feel about that kind of significant change. So if there's a way that that could be agendized, if we have like, for instance, four or five areas that, that might be uh, uh, questionable, um, maybe those could set aside and be agendized because I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that the property owners aren't here and that the businesses aren't here and they thought that this was put to bed, what, three years ago or last time we voted. Councilmember McReynolds and then Deputy Mayor. Um, I, I, I'm in complete agreement with uh, Councilmember Duran. Uh, I've probably received more emails about this site than any opposing the proposal on it and then even further to move away from commercial to neighborhood center where you're introducing residential adjacent to big red crane company the old ironworks i mean these does not sound like compatible uses to me in any any shape of the word uh on it so i will be opposing the motion just want to be clear, since there is so much public interest around this and a McDonald's proposed here, the existing zoning designation for this site is M2, and it allows retail restaurant. And it indicates that a conditional use permit is required for drive-throughs. So irrespective of if council rezones this to commercial or neighborhood center or leaves it alone, a McDonald's is allowed on this site, and the drive-through would require a conditional use permit. I just don't want to give any impression to the community that keeping it the same would make the, the McDonald's application go away. By based on the existing zoning and uh, the existing zoning of the site being M2, the M2 designation allows restaurant, retail, and commercial uses, and it designates drive-through uses which this McDonald's is proposing a drive-through as a conditional use permit. Would the neighborhood center uh, zoning or uh, land use allow? The, the, the land use is in the zoning, so the zoning would be okay. more detailed. The neighborhood center would allow retail restaurant uses as well. With the, the drive-through being? Would most likely, drive-throughs are conditional uses all throughout the city, so it would be about the same. Deputy Mayor and then Ms. Campos. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I, I hear what my colleagues have shared and I hear what you, you shared as well. Um, and while you said I don't live in that district, I get it. Um, but I, I, I'm also concerned just about the process. Um, I, my understanding that meeting when this area was discussed, 70 plus public comments overwhelmingly supporting uh, what was being um, stated to light industrial. And so I would have a concern with um, changing that now, precisely with um, what Councilmember Halter shared that, um, you know, we don't have 70 plus people here tonight um, that are affected in that particular area. And so um, that would be my reason for not supporting this. Uh, I, I hear where, where you're coming from. But um, if we were to also reopen the whole process again, are we ever going to complete this? So <laughs> um, I think that's where I'm coming from, and I, um, I, I respectfully would not be voting for this if should it change. Councilmember Campos. So for clarity, the people who came and spoke were the entire West Side, 
I believe there was one speaker regarding this area that night. And many, many of the emails about McDonald's are not people who live on the west side. And so you have to consider all of those things. The, the big, the crane company that Mr. McReynolds mentions is further away from this location than Mr. Halter's business. And so really knowing the west side and what the community has been fighting for for years, I make this request and motion. Other, Mr. Johnson? Thank you, I certainly appreciate my colleagues' concerns about making sure the public has input on something like this. As Councilmember Campos pointed out, we had 70 public speakers, I think one addressed this. It was only after we had all those public comments that this council pulled out of left field this plan to keep it industrial. That was the surprise. What we would be doing tonight would be what we talked, what, what the General Plan Advisory Committee and the Planning Commission had done, what had been published and been recommended to this council. When we took that and, and made it general industrial, decided to keep it general industrial, that was something nobody had any notice of. And you know, I am somebody who complained about the Planning Commission making an 11th hour change. And this council criticized the Planning Commission for doing that, but then this council did precisely that. We made that change to keep that industrial. Uh, and so if we're doing anything now, we are writing that wrong. Thank you, Mayor. Other comments? Mr. Duran? Yeah, I'm, <clears throat> I'm seeing that a little bit different, Councilmember Johnson. Uh, in regards to, um, we, we heard the public and, and um, an industrial was not even on the, on the radar and then all of a sudden the planning commission decides that they wanna change that. And so we just, we, we, we said no, because not only, you know, not only did we hear from everybody, but it was the right thing to do because of all the economics and, and the jobs and everything else. So, I, I'm seeing it a little bit different, but explain to me if, because I don't think we came out of left field. I think we addressed what needed to be addressed. Councilmember Johnson. Thank you, Mayor. What went to the Planning Commission was changed, and, and what we were doing was we were undoing the change they made. They did not change the plan for number three. Number three had been through GPAC, had been through Planning Commission, it had had plenty of opportunities for public comment. What we did was we took where Planning Commission had changed to GPAC's recommendation, and we undid that. As you may recall at the Planning Commission, uh, it was rather late in the meeting when they you know, decided to recommend uh, just shifting everything away from general industrial to light industrial. Um, that was the thing that the people were understandably upset about. That was the thing that they felt it just appeared out of nowhere and with very little notice. Never had there been any talk, starting from GPAC, about keeping those industrial. The talk had always been about commercial. The talk on the west side has been about commercial for, for decades. And uh, with all due respect to my colleague, um, as I explained in that meeting, it was one thing to undo 
the last minute change that the Planning Commission made to GPAC recommendation. But when we took it another step further and just said, well, we're keeping everything industrial, let's keep number three industrial, that was a surprise to a lot of people, including, I would point out, Mr. Freeman. And I see some other hands raised as well. And, and I mean, that's why we have a member of the public here asking us to fix this problem. It's a problem of the council's creation. Thank you, Mayor. I've got Ms. Campos and then Mr. McReynolds. I, I just want to add to Mr. Johnson's comment that Mr. Friedman was the one person who spoke on this item. There was no one else from the public about this area because the businesses that are there are failing. The ones that were there previously have pretty much shut down. Mr. McReynolds? I respectfully disagree with Councilmember Johnson. We are, we're not even proposing commercial. We're talking about neighborhood center. This is completely out of left field, just like you said. This is a whole different thing than what's, the recommendation that we didn't do was commercial. What the motion is, is neighborhood center. Okay, any other comments? Let's vote. So can you um, give me the motion, please? Yes, uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. We do have a motion and a second on the floor to uh, redesignate Area 3 of the West Side map as a neighborhood center. You can go ahead and enter your vote now. Yes, Councilmember Johnson. Mayor, before we move on, I move that uh, we keep, we, we designate area number three as commercial three stories. Is there a second? Second. Discussion? No discussion? And just to clarify, that previous motion failed. Uh, five no's, two yeses. We do have a motion and a second on the floor now to uh, have area three of the west side map as commercial three stories. And that's um, currently area three is commercial. Currently it's a mix of light industrial and general industrial. Mr. Mayor? Yes. Just a question. Uh, just confirming that those businesses that are there now, if, if this went to commercial, they would be um, non-compliant, correct? So a couple of the sites are vacant, so there's no existing businesses. A couple of the sites have automotive uses, which are allowed in commercial. Um, if there was a uh, business there that was not allowed in commercial, it would be non-conforming, which would mean it could con continue to operate, but would not be able to expand. But I believe... Um, Based on your recollect recollection, there is nobody in... It's all light industrial, so there, there will be no effect really on anything. No, from what I saw, they were like automotive repair uses that are also allowed in commercial. Because that's light industrial. They're allowed in light industrial and commercial, yes. Okay, okay. any other questions? Mr. McReynolds. So I'm looking at aerial, and there are large, heavy machinery at the corners on the northeast corner of Stanley. So that would be allowed in a commercial Zone. So this corner site is vacant. I think the site that you're referring to next to that is the general industrial. Right. 
correct? Is this the one that I have my cursor yeah, I on? Believe, I believe that that's correct. And uh, no. No? Next to that? No, the one to the north. This, this one? One more. I, I mean, I'm looking at an aerial right now. This. I believe it's currently vacant. May I clarify? Please. It, it, it's, it's got equipment stored on it because it's not being used for any business. So someone is storing their equipment on it, but it's not an active business. Further questions? Just yes, Mr. Halter. Just to clarify, uh, if it goes to commercial, uh, it does allow then light industrial and commercial, whereas currently it's light industrial and general industrial, right? And so what, and I believe, I know most of that land is empty. I'm just trying to give more flexibility to allow the businesses that are located on a couple of those parcels to remain and uh, not surprise property owners without having a chance for them to be here tonight. Those are the things I'm wrestling with. So it sounds like it can still have light industrial and commercial. It just can't have general industrial, which it doesn't, other than storage of some uh, pipes, I think, pipes and equipment, I believe. Sorry, Councilmember Halter, we're trying to go through Google Street View and some of the aerials are different than the Street View. Some of it show vacant, some of them show with um, equipment on it, so I apologize. I'm not 100% sure. Um, so if, if we say it has general industrial uses on it now and it goes commercial, it would mean that the general industrial uses would become legal nonconforming. And over time, when that use discontinued, that the new uses allowed on the site would need to be commercial in nature. Um, I apologize. I can't definitively say. I'm, I have some mixed information here. But it looks like the businesses that have buildings on those properties are light industrial at this point in time. Correct. Okay. A uh, question, Mr. Reynolds. I, I just want to refer back to Ms. Sayers' comment. We don't have complete information, and we're trying to make a, a, a major decision on these properties. So are you suggesting that there's another alternative, Mr. Johnson? I don't have another alternative. Thank you, Mayor. I'd point out we have more information now based on Mr. Freeman's comments and slides than we did when we made this major decision last time this came to us. And property owners certainly had the opportunity, if they objected to this, to come to that meeting and raise their objections. And none did. None did. I don't think we know that. We had we had 76 speakers talk. We don't know who which properties they represented. They were they were all opposed to the maintaining the the heavy industrial, the general industrial. I take your point. I take your point. Okay, so Ms. each of the speakers as they came up told us what businesses they were from. So pretty much we do know who the speakers were or what properties they were commenting on. 
the, the, I, I live on the west side. Mr. Halter also probably heard many, many mentions of several businesses. And so the, it was not those businesses. Can I? Yes, Ms. Ayer. Sorry, I feel like I keep butting in. Um, all of this discussion tonight isn't an endorsement from the, from the city council. This is not the final action on the map. That's not going to happen until we adopt the general plan. If there is mixed feelings about this, we can look at this further. Um, this area, because it's so small and you're talking commercial, industrial, it doesn't change our analysis that much. It's, if council wants us to look at this further and see really what businesses are in area three and come back later, we can do that if that helps the discussion. Is that the pleasure, Mr. Durant? I think that would be wonderful. I, uh, I mean, if we can get this on the agenda for, for next week, would that give you enough time to find out who, or no? Maybe not next week, but we, we can bring it back I, in, I in growth projections, with I, the growth projections. I, I'm, I'm totally fine uh, going to commercial. I, like, I'm totally fine with that, but I want to make sure that we're not putting businesses uh, legal, non-conforming, um, I, I don't want the industrial business to go out of business if, there, if there's some there. So if we can get that information, it'd be great. That would be my preference because I don't want 74 people in here again. Uh, not that I don't like 74 residents of the city, um, but it does have a way to eat up the agenda for the next 60 days. And, and I feel I, I, I'm okay moving in your direction, but let's, let's find out for sure, come back, if, if that's amenable to the... Motion into the second. Ms. Campos and Mr. Johnson. I, I'm good with that. I don't think maybe the next agenda, but sometime before uh, November 30th, if we can fit it. Then I withdraw my motion. Okay. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you much. Thank you for, every, for your patience out there. Um, okay, on to the first area that we looked at so was um, Victoria we're going to vote on these piece by piece that would be up to the council if you'd like it to get, take it all at once piece by piece I think uh, we instead of make it let's just do it piece by piece so this is PC supported and GPAC um, also um, that's correct. There was um, the only non-agreement was uh, area one and area two by the public um, that did not, in essence, GPAC and Planning Commission upzoned these sites and they did not agree to the upzoning. Okay. Councilmember Johnson followed by Councilmember Durant. Thank you, Mayor. I would move that uh, we accept the uh, land use Art for Victoria, as recommended by the Planning Commission and the General Plan Advisory Committee. Thank you. Do I have a second? Second. Second. Mr. Durant. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, Ms. Sayre, just a question for you in regards to Telephone Road. I see that um, Area 2, where it says change to four-story multifamily from neighborhood low. Um, if I'm not mistaken, there's a whole row of churches there. How does that affect them? It doesn't. Perfect. Thank you. 
Uh, any other discussion? Let's take a vote, please. I'm sorry, Ms. Campos, were you? Okay, I didn't know if you were throwing your glasses at me or you weren't ready to move on. Okay. Okay, and we do have a motion and a second on the floor to approve the recommendation for the Victoria map. You can go ahead and enter your vote now. All votes have been entered. Seven ayes and the motion carries. Next area, please. Pierpont. Ms. Ayer, can you give us an executive summary on the, some of the thoughts that City Council had on this? Sure, the Planning Commission and GPAC direction was in agreement with um, these changes. The public did not want to change to mixed use three for the shopping center. They wanted to, to keep that or uh, make that neighborhood center. Um, the conversation Council's had tonight is change this to commercial to protect um, the shopping center to remain commercial. There's mixed feelings, somewhat neighborhood center, somewhat commercial. Um, there was discussion about lowering the density of the lemon packing site to neighborhood medium to reduce the density allowed here. Um, those were the primary comments. A motion. Councilmember Halter. Uh, just to make sure, though, it, currently uh, the, village, the shopping center is neighborhood center or mixed use? Right now it's mixed use, three, and the desire was to change it to neighborhood center. Mm -hmm. I would move to approve uh, all the recommendations, uh, and I would change Marina Village to neighborhood center, and I would change the packing plant location to neighborhood medium. Do, do I have a second? Second. Discussion? Mr. McReynolds? I, I would like to request that we look at each of the three highlighted areas individually, uh, as opposed to uh, as, one, as one motion, if, if the maker would. Are you okay with that, Mr. Halter? I'm good with that. Okay, so let's start with the city-owned parcel. Can, can we make that three then? We'll make Marina Village Shopping Center one, the Lemon Packing Plant two, and the city-owned parcel three. Yes, can we start with number three? Discussion on... And Mr. Mayor, apologies, point of clarification. Is the motion withdrawn? The motion is withdrawn. Thank you. Yes, it is. Discussion on city-owned parcel number three, the one in red with black borders. And I apologize, your queue is still not working. Excuse me? Is the queue still not working? No. Your queue is not working. Raise my hand. So, <laughs> yes, in the front row. Yes, thank you. Uh, regarding the city-owned parcel, uh, I would like to propose that that uh, goes to a public uh, general uh, so that it matches the proposed uh, fire station uh, that we're, we're doing there. Do I have a second? Can you repeat that, Mr. McReynolds? Yeah, so, so again, so this is item two, correct, Ms. Sayer? Or parcel three. two? Three. Parcel Sorry. three. Parcel three, the city-owned parcel. Uh, my proposal would be that that would be public general uh, for the uh, land use, uh, which would match the proposed fire station. Um, Do, is there a second? 
I have a question. Yeah, I do too. A fire, Go ahead. A fire station would be allowed under commercial, correct? Correct. And if it was public general, it can only be public, like a fire station or a school or a correct. whatever. Okay, I would not support that motion then. Is there a second? Is there a second? Dice for a lack of a second. Parcel three. Is there another motion? Mr. Halter? I would move that we approve uh, parcel three as uh, commercial. Do I have a second? Second. Second. Discussion? Which, if I understand that, is what the PC and GPAC recommended, is to move it to commercial. Is that correct, Ms. Zayer? I oh, want to be clear, the alternatives talked about this as being residential and the thoughts on that were all, all over. Um, we, along the process, found out about the fire station doing an interim um, stint here and therefore made it commercial. So GPAC and Planning Commission didn't weigh in that or have any strong opinions one way or the other. Okay, so I have a motion and a second to make this commercial. We're going to vote on these independently. So be it. Okay, you can go ahead and enter your vote now. All votes have been entered. Six ayes, and the motion carries. On to parcel number two, which is uh, the orange parcel on the map on Vista Del Mar. And I, uh, Mr. Halter? I would make a motion to uh, make that neighborhood medium. Do I have a second? All second. Discussion. Um, thank you. May I? Yes, please. So we talked about medium and then we talked about low medium, right? So low medium would be, low medium I think is, is yeah, yeah, and and medium is what? Low low is 196, medium is what? Neighborhood low medium is seven units to 14 units, and the neighborhood meetings medium is 14 units to 20 units. I, I think we need to go low. But, um, is that a substitute motion? It's a substitute motion. Is there a second on that motion to go to low, low, medium, low medium on parcel number two? Correct. I, I would second that. Second. Discussion. So let's vote on the motion to make parcel number two low medium. Okay, you can go ahead and enter your vote now. What are you gonna do? All votes have been entered. Seven ayes and the motion carries. Mr. Duran, thank you for catching that. Okay, um, on to Marina Village Shopping Center area number one. Do I have a motion? I would like to motion that uh, the Marina Village Shopping Center remains solely commercial. Do I have a second? I have a second. Second. Discussion. The second was from the Deputy Mayor, Mr. City Clerk. Discussion. The PC and GPAC have this as 
This is this magenta, which is help me, Miss Sayer. They had this as mixed use. I'm sorry, <laughs> neighborhood center. Okay. Um, public comment on this um, at the GPAC meetings. Was there any? The thought process around neighborhood center was similar to the other shopping centers that they maintain the grocery store and uses there. So they wanted to allow some um, residential there while maintaining the commercial. The public sentiment mainly was um, not necessarily the specific uses, but the four stories in height. Okay. Yes, Mr. Johnson and Mr. McReynolds. Thank you, Mayor. You know, I particularly appreciated hearing uh, Commissioner McCarty's comments on this at the Planning Commission. And with that, I will move a substitute motion to change it to Neighborhood Center. I would second. There's a second. Discussion. Can you give us uh, Mr. McCarty's wisdom on the topic, please? Uh, as, as Ms. Ayer alluded to, Primarily, the, the concern that people had was over building heights. Um, as a longtime resident of Pierpont, he thought that, you know, given the size of the parcel, the location of the parcel, that um, that it, it simply wasn't warranted just to, to, because of the building heights alone. So he was in favor or not in favor of neighborhood center four stories? I'm sorry. So, yes, Commissioner McCarty was in favor of changing it to Neighborhood Center. Yes, Mr. Halter. Okay, great. Thanks, Mr. Mayor. Okay, I just want to clarify, once again, is that to me, again, I see a lot of flexibility with Neighborhood Center because it says it allows for up to one-third of the shopping center to be housing. It doesn't say one-third of it must be housing. That's correct. So I, I, I would be supporting this motion. Mr. McReynolds. I mean, we, we just voted on the Vista Del Mar property. We've got the Anastasi property. This is just, we, we have, you know, we, we've heard from the public regarding the proposed developments in this area. I believe the commercial use the, the needs to be solely protected as this is the major shopping area. Otherwise, people are going back up Seaward, down Thompson to the Vons, over at Five Points. Uh, I just they feel like there's too much risk. Retail has not figured out retail yet. And I think we need to protect our retail centers, especially with our grocery stores. Other comments? Ms. Campos? I believe that neighborhood center as a use does protect commercial. It protects retail or commercial? It, it protects the retail businesses. It protects the shopping. Uh, my thoughts are, if this is a discussion or a disagreement over what protects that area best on a retail basis. And I think the one thing we have an agreement on is none of us know exactly where retail is going in this post-Amazon era. Tough decision. If there's no other questions, I'll go to a vote. And could you read the motion, please? Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. We do have a motion and a second on the floor to designate the Marina Village as a neighborhood center. That's the substitute motion. We have a, a 
first motion on the floor as well to designate it as commercial, so we'll take the substitute motion first for neighborhood center. Go ahead and enter your vote. All votes have been entered. Two no's, five ayes, and the motion carries. The next area, please. <laughs> please don't not, say that. Not the west side. <laughs> Do not say the west side, no offense, Ms. Campos. <laughs> Sore areas. Sore areas. Give me the executive summary, please. There was agreement across everybody that SOAR don't be, doesn't change. Okay, I'll entertain a motion. I move that we maintain the SOAR areas as they are. As indicated. Do I have a second? Second. Discussion. Let's vote, please. A motion and a second on the floor to approve the recommendation for the SOAR areas. Go ahead and enter your vote. All votes have been entered. Seven ayes and the motion carries. Uh, next area, please. The wonderful east side, executive summary. There was agreement with Planning Commission GPAC and the public for the proposed changes. The discussions with council were um, some desire to change the shopping centers to commercial instead of neighborhood center. Yes, Mr. McReynolds. Yeah, I'd like to uh, break these up into two halves uh, with the uh, East East Ventura and East Ventura um, on it. So the what I'll, I'll call the uh, Smart and Final Center and the uh, uh, Grocery Outlet as one and then discuss the other two. I'm sorry, could you go over that again for me? Which do you want to go first? On uh, the the, uh, where the laser pointer is yes. in terms of the Smart and Final Center and the Grocery Outlet Center, um, separate from the uh, Scandia Center and the uh, uh, Broom Parcel. Okay, I'm okay with that. Discussion on like Shopping make... Center 1 on the left of the screen and Shopping Center 1 on the bottom of the screen. I'd like to make a motion that the, uh, the centers uh, remain commercial only uh, as you know, we have the potential for a true food desert on the east end. Uh, the closest, if these were to go, and they've already changed ownerships from, uh, uh, or labels, or brands from an Albertsons and a uh, Ralph's to a uh, Smart and Final and uh, Grocery Outlet. So I would like to uh, preserve those retail centers. I'll second. And I have a second. Discussion. Yes. Okay. Uh, we have the same philosophical difference here because while I support exactly what you just said, I, it's basically, it's what we have now and what we've had for 30, 40, 50 years. And we have not seen these shopping centers change in probably 30 years. So keeping them exactly what they've been zoned right, uh, for the last 30 years, if that's exactly the best use is what we have now, and you're not gonna encourage something even better I see more flexibility with Neighborhood Center. Mr. Duran and Mr. McReynolds. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. 
You know, I, I'm in agreement with Mr. McReynolds and, uh, and Deputy Mayor. Um, I, I think uh, in this particular situation, because of, of what you stated, that there has not been any kind of commercial built out there, there hasn't been anything new out there, it's all been residential, I would, I would support this motion. Just because I think it's, uh, this is an area where we, we, we need to make sure that that's, that's what it's going to be. Mr. McReynolds. Yeah. And uh, regarding the uh, Spartan Final Center, uh, that is fully tenanted. I mean, it, it hasn't uh, had a vacancy because there's so few of those retail opportunities. They're completely tenanted. The uh, Grocery Outlet Center, I think it has two vacancies that I'm aware of right now mm -hmm. on it. So uh, I, I will admit it's been a little more challenging on that center. But I mean, generally, they are always tenanted. Uh, mm -hmm with it and that's because there's just a lack of opportunity and if we talk of I know we're not talking about that but this Scandia Center uh, is also fully tenanted uh, on it so I mean there's just a very limited number of retail opportunities okay. on this thank you Ms. Kemp no Mr. Johnson thank you I this is a difficult one for me um, in part because I, I certainly hear what you're saying and it's so important to keep those commercial at the same time we're looking at something that you know, it was GPAC, the Planning Commission, and the public all supported this. So, so I will be supporting it, but I, but I will point out that these, in particular, this type of down zoning means likely we're going to have to come back and start start talking about where we're going to start putting in six-story buildings, just by taking these off of the off of the map. So, I will be supporting it, but it's a tough call for me. Other questions? Let's take a vote, and it's going to be a tough vote. Okay, so we do have a motion and a second on the floor to keep the two shopping centers, um, as uh, designate them as commercial. Mr. Attorney, uh, I think we, I think we need to rephrase it because they're currently mixed use. We would redesignate them as commercial. Is that correct, Ms. Ayer? That's correct. Thank you. All votes have been entered. On to the One two. no, six eyes, the motion carries. Thank sorry, you. Sorry. No, no, my bad. On to the next two properties. Is it? Yes. One there and two in the. So on the item two, it's change to neighborhood center, four stories. And item number one would be changed to neighborhood center four stories from mixed use six. Do I have a motion? I'll, I'll make a motion to, um, I mean, I think th this is the empty lot um, where it has, uh, I think, a, a great capacity to be a grocery store out of all the others that we have. Um, so while I'm open to the neighborhood, center i'm also open to all com to just commercial um and so i'd like to make a motion to redesignate it as commercial is there a second is there a second i'll second where was the second at okay discussion i've just got to say that my argument remains the same is that i believe that um 
we are not giving enough incentive for something to actually happen. We have known for years that we need more commercial. I told, absolutely support commercial on the East End. There's not enough of that, but I'm afraid we're gonna be stuck with the exact same shopping center for the next 30 years, and I think that would be wrong. Support the motion. If I have a question, Ms. Sayer, um, what is on property two in the upper right? So property two is actually in the county right now. It's not city-owned property. Um, it's in the Satakoy uh, master plan, specific plan area. And if we kind of translate what's allowed, it's mixed use. It allows commercial and residential. Um, the neighborhood center would allow for commercial and residential, but protecting some commercial occurring there. Uh, we have had conversations with the property owner, and they do want to do some type of grocery store with residential here, so a mix of uses on this property. Okay, Mr. Durant. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. In this particular case, being a vacant property, it just gives more options to the developer. So I, I, would, I would rather, um, can, may I make a substitute motion to Absolutely. make this a neighborhood center? Is there a second? I'll second. There's a second. Conversation on making the two properties Yes, Mr. McReynolds. I, I just, how big is that? Uh, it's, it's very large. Yeah. 30 acres. 30, okay, thank you. Other questions, issues? Can we vote on the substitute, please? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. We do have a motion and a second on the floor to uh, have the, the two remaining properties as neighborhood center. Go ahead and enter your vote now. All votes have been entered. Two no's, five eyes. the motion carries. Next, please. Downtown executive summary. Um, agreement between Planning Commission, GPAC, and the public. Um, the discussions were around do we keep the number one neighborhood center or change that to commercial? from the council, that was the council's discussion, and discussion about in, uh, allowing increased heights of the harbor parking structure for um, rebuildability. A height overlay was, I think, the discussion. I'll entertain a motion. I'd like to take the two items separately that we discussed. The two items being item number one and the parking structure? Correct. Okay, I see so, no problem with that. Let's go on to item one. I'd like to make a motion regarding the parking structure that we... Uh, 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 Mr. McReynolds, we're going to start with number one. Oh, one, sorry. <laughs> but you, you um, feel free to make a motion. I'll, okay, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record then. Uh, I move uh, for commercial on uh, item one solely. I want to protect our retail. Okay, is there a second? Is there a second? Dies for a lack of a second. Do I have another motion? Mr. I'll Holter. move that we make uh, change that to neighborhood center. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion? Vote, please. Okay, go ahead and enter your vote now. Waiting for one more vote. All votes have now been entered. Two no's, five eyes. motion carries. 
I think it, we have one more. Is that? Yeah. We have another area. Yeah, yeah we have another area, right? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Structure. Oh, I'm. It, it's, please, Mr. McReynolds. So I'd like to make a motion uh, regarding the 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 harbor and uh, uh, California Street parking structure uh, that we study adding a height overlay uh, to match the uh, Crown Plaza uh, so that we can at least study it and figure out what is feasible uh, there. And is there a second? Yes, uh, second. Second. Discussion. So this is just to study the idea. So what your thoughts behind this is that we have a dilapidated parking structure and you want to see what we can do with that area and see if we can get someone to... What we do tonight will inform the CEQA document behind it. So I want the document to look at what could potentially happen on it. And then we will have another bite at this apple uh, when it comes back to us in the summer. Ish. Yep. Okay. Questions? Vote? Okay, you can go ahead and enter your vote now. Waiting for one more vote to be entered. One last vote to be entered. All votes have now been entered. Six ayes, one no. The motion carries. Next area, please. This would be the last one. Um, executive summary, please. So there was, uh, this is another one where there was support from Planning Commission, GPAC, and the public for the proposed changes. There was some discussion from Council about Area 2 and if Office R&D um, would be appropriate or some other type of industrial. Yes, Mr. Johnson, then Mr. Duran. Thank you, Mayor. I, and Ms. Ayer, I really appreciate your, your uh, input on this one after we heard from the public. And with that, I would move that uh, we go with the uh, recommendation brought to us from the Planning Commission and the GPAC. Do I have a second? Second. Discussion. Uh, yeah. Excuse me. Go ahead, Mr. Duran. Well, for, for all the reasons given already, I think that this should stay uh, or continue with light industrial. I think, without a doubt, we're making a, a mistake if we only do R&D in office. I think there needs to be light industrial in that so we could give opportunities to these business owners that are coming in. We had somebody in, you know, obviously Mr. Ferry has, is representing somebody who's interested in that spot. And I, I just think we need to keep it open um, and so we can have those options. Does the motion include the Planning Commission recommended a specific plan for the McGrath property? I, I, I think we should ask Ms. Yes. Sayer because I, I also would appreciate it if you could clarify on the use of on whether light industrial would fit in the office R&D. Yeah, the office R&D designation allows office research development and light industrial. It in, sandwiches the light industrial in it. So it has the maximum flexibility of allowing all of it. Okay. With the master plan included in that, can we do that? A specific plan? A specific or plan. Or whatever. Business park. Yeah. Are you making a friendly, proposing a friendly? Is that a friendly amendment? Yes. 
I'm okay with that if the seconder is okay with it. Okay, so, so the R, Mr. McReynolds. I'm a little concerned about the specific plan in terms of if we have somebody that wants to develop this property today, how long are we talking to go through that process? You know, so we got to go through the general plan. It's just going to take us another year. And then we're going to do a specific plan after that? So just a reminder, the McGrath property is not in the city limits. So it needs to go through an annexation process. So you would do um, general plan pre-zoning pre land use designations with a specific plan. And then you still have to go through the LAFCO process of bringing it into the city. So it, it is a long process because you have to annex the property. So if we're, if we're adding the specific plan, are we making the process longer? Uh, depends on how you do the specific plan. If it is the specific plan is to do infrastructure and your zoning designations and you're not going very detailed, it's your stuff you're going to have to do anyways as part of the annexation property. It isn't adding uh, very much additional time. If you go into the level of detail of putting all the design standards and such in it, then yes, that's lengthy. But that's something council and the planning commission can decide on how detailed they want that specific plan to be. I've seen specific plans where it's infrastructure, zoning, general plan designations as part of the annexation package. So, and I know you were in Santa Maria before, and I think their specific plans for their are pretty general. Correct. On it. I mean, can we, would they be, would the makers be amenable to keeping it at the general level as opposed to getting into... <laughs> So then I would recommend not putting design standards in it. Correct. If the idea is to keep it infrastructure, zoning, and basic street circulation layout, yeah. yeah, we've done specific plans like that. I've lost track of who's the... So is that a friendly amendment? I, I guess. I don't, I've lost track of who's... Um, um, I'm the maker of the motion. You're the maker. I am the maker <laughs> of the motion. There we go. Second. So yes, I'll propose that as a... Friendly amendment. And so the motion then would be, uh, it would include a specific plan that does not include design guidelines? Based on the conversation you just had, correct. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Ms. Campos, good? Yes. All right, further discussion? Let's take a vote, please. Thank you both. Thank you. So the motion is to uh, approve the, the map as recommended and to include uh, a specific plan that does not include design standards. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and enter your vote now. All votes have been entered. Seven ayes and the motion carries. Great minds think alike. Look at that. 7-0. Do we have another area? That's all of them. Swear to God, that's the last one. <laughs> Unless you want to come back to any others. Okay, thank you very much, Mr. Ramey. Ms. Sayer, thank you very much for years of work. Um, number, item number seven, policy consideration. This is introduced by Council Member Campos.
Ms. Campos, you have a, it's like a brief presentation, I believe, it's up here. My apologies, I was looking for it here. So I want to tonight discuss the closed session minutes. My proposal is to have the city clerk take the minutes of closed sessions. This would not affect the privacy of closed session minutes, but it would affect the ability of the city attorney to um, focus on advising council. Um, currently, he, he runs the closed session meetings and records the limited minutes of them. I'd like to see more extensive minutes in general. And since we're a very young council, there have been times in closed session when I personally wanted more legal advice, but was unable to get it because of the fast movement of the session and the city attorney focusing on minutes. So if we have the clerk come in, we would have a minute record of all closed sessions to be kept. And the clerk or his representative would be clerk of all the closed sessions. The city attorney would be free then to advise us. The, the letters here are my recommendation for the way we write up this proposal so that the clerk would attend the complete closed session and it would be his responsibility to keep a minute book of each meeting. The minute book has to be a written record, not a recording and no mechanical means. The minute book needs to include a record of the names of all persons in attendance for each topic discussed, a record of the beginning and ending times and dates of each session. Next slide, please a record of each topic discussed and the, in the specific terms of those topics, a record of the decisions made in the session, and if any, um, if any votes by name of the council members. The record book should be confidential and available only to the members of the council, the city manager, the city attorney, and any department head who attended that closed session. If there is a violation alleged to have occurred at a closed session, they would be available to a court of general jurisdiction where the city council lies. That would be the county of Ventura. So in the summary of the council meeting where the closed session occurred and in the subsequent minutes for that meeting, the items of the closed session shall be listed a brief description of the general topics discussed in the session should be included, and the descriptions could be as specific as possible without violating the confidential nature of the session. Is there another slide or is that it? There would be a record of each topic discussed in specific terms, a record of the decisions made. Uh, I think we already went through this. That's it. I thought we had another slide, but I believe that's it. So my request is for us to determine that our city clerk can make this kind of minute record and maintain those records with the privacy that's required of closed session. So if any questions or discussion? 
questions or discussions? I have a, a, a few. Uh, one is the city attorney doesn't run closed session. The mayor does. And I turn the legal stuff sometimes over to him, sometimes to Mr. Hogan. And if we have HR issues, I think that goes to Ms. Keys. Um, I'd like to know what the county does. Does the county have a city clerk and a city attorney sit in on their closed sessions? Mr. Mayor, I don't believe so. Um, Mr. McDonald, do you have an idea? Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor uh, and, and City Attorney. I, I do not believe uh, that that is the case currently for the county or for any other city in Ventura County. Okay. Other questions, issues? Yes, Mr. Halter. Yeah, I have a question. Is that um, the concern I would have, is, the question actually is, um, is if we have these as official minutes of closed session, which is closed for a reason, usually because it could do harm to the city, uh, if we had that in open uh, discussion. Um, uh, does it, how does the Records Request Act apply to this, to the minutes? Mr. Mayor, Councilmember Halter, uh, it would still, um, records request wouldn't get access to these records. They would still be protected um, under state law as well. Uh, uh, state law does provide for the keeping of minutes. Um, it does allow for a local agency to designate by ordinance or resolution uh, someone else to attend and keep the record or to keep the minutes. So, um, and the state law only allows those minutes to be available as council member uh, Campos has, has identified to members of the legislative body or by a court of general jurisdiction. So there's no, uh, no way that somebody could get access to these through public records request. Mr. McReynolds. So when, when I became a council member, um, I did not get a briefing of previous closed session items. Uh, so it would be your intent that I could, as a, we would be able to, future councils could go back and look at these minutes? No, what this is suggesting is that you could go back to minutes at meetings you attended. There would really be no change in the process or policy of a closed session. And I want to make clear that this in no way reflects on the job that Mr. Hegland is doing. There have been times at closed session when I wanted more legal input and was unable to get it in the fast pace and limited time of our meeting because Mr. Hegland was writing notes at the time I was attempting to ask and we moved, moved on to vote. That's part of why I would like to see this done. I also think it would protect us from problems with council members uh, disagreeing later about a closed session. Mr. Durant. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, Mr. Heglin, at, at any time, uh, could we ask you to add more information into the minutes if we wanted to? Um, Mr. Mayor, Councilmember Duran, uh, sure. I think there's um, the, the state law provides that it would be uh, a record of topics discussed and decisions made at the meeting. So I think there's some flexibility when you talk about the record of topics discussed. If if council wanted additional information maintained or a specific 
um, conversation maintained. I think there's flexibility there if the council decided to have that done. So on, on that, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at just our closed session today and thinking what could possibly be in those notes that, that, that we would need to know. I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just, but if we needed information, I guess we could add it to that and that could be part of the record. Um, so thank you for answering the question. I have the deputy mayor and then Mr. McReynolds and then Mr. Johnson. I think my question was answered because I think currently you do keep records, notes, right? Uh, that's correct. I do keep minutes um, and basically it f tracks what state law provides. So it's just a, a summary, very high level summary of the discussions and the decisions, the motions, and uh, those are provided to the clerk um, for record keeping. Thank you. Mr. McReynolds and Mr. Johnson. Yeah, I have a question regarding item F. Uh, alleged violation, that seems like really weak language to me. Like, just because somebody alleged something, I, I don't see why we would turn anything over to a court of law based on an allegation. I don't believe we would automatically turn anything over to a court of law, would me, we, Mr. Hecht? I think that that's in there. I, I think that's part of the... That's not, how state I read. Law. That's not how I read this, though. If a violation is alleged to have occurred. That, um, I can clarify that. This language in Councilmember Campos's um, presentation kind of tracks the state law. So if a violation is alleged to have occurred at a closed session, then it can be disclosed to a court. So if someone were to allege a violation of Brown Act, let's say, then that would, um, that, those records would be available to the, a court who is deciding that case. And it would typically be done in in, um, in camera. It's called so it would be off the record. It would be just the, just the judge reviewing those records. So they would remain maintain confidentiality. So is, is that language strong enough? Well, the the language specifically in state law says if a violation of this chapter is alleged to have occurred at a closed session to a court of general jurisdiction wherein the local agency lies. So I think this pretty much tracks that. Okay, thank you. Mr. Johnson. Thank you, Mayor. I, I have a, a number of questions on this one. Um, first, as I've said before, my understanding with the policy consideration is generally that this is not the legal language that we would actually be doing, correct? That we would be directing staff to, to make sure that everything is legally sound before we, we took action, is that correct? That's correct, and, and under state law, we'd have to come back with a resolution or ordinance. Thank you. And and second, Mr. Hagelin, this idea of um, whether somebody could go back and look at the minutes of a closed session from a council meeting from before they were on council, would, would a future council member who is not let yet elected be able to get those documents or not? Under state law, I would say that they have the ability to go back and look at the, the closed session minutes. Thank you, and, and, and for me, actually, I find that very important. Without, without going into any detail, Mr. Hagelin, I'm sure you recall when I was um, requesting some information about things that have been discussed in closed session, stuff that I thought was very pertinent to business before the council in closed session, but uh, your response was really that there really were no documents about those discussions, is that correct? <laughs> it's correct. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember yeah. what example you're referring yeah. to. Yeah. Anyhow, um, 
We're, yeah, and, and so for that reason, I, I, I really think it, it would be important to have these minutes. Uh, and so with that, I will be supporting the policy consideration. Thank you. Mr. Durant? I, I'm just, I'm looking at it from another person in closed session, and I'm looking at it, um, uh, you know, more, more money, uh, more tax dollars being spent on an additional person taking minutes. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think what we have right now works uh, for me, works for me. Uh, Deputy Mayor? Um, I, I think for me, uh, and, and not to put anyone's character into question, but um, when the designee, designated person is not available to be in closed session, then that would mean someone else would have to be in closed session? Well, I guess to your question, the council can decide, right? So if the council wants to designate the clerk to attend closed sessions, and if the clerk isn't available, if the council wants the city attorney to, to maintain the records in that example, uh, I mean, the council has the discretion to do what it would like. Okay, thank you. I have a question. So I looked at uh, four or five of the closed minutes, closed session minutes. Um, I found them to be an accurate representation. Now, those, those are the most recent ones. So my understanding is you want more specificity. So did you go back and look at the, the minutes maybe of the last five or six, and did you find them inadequate that way? I was not given that opportunity. My problem is that uh, particularly this council is young and inexperienced. And I believe there are moments when we really could use more detailed legal advice than we're able to get when our, our city attorney is focused on keeping an accurate record. Yeah. And so if there's another person keeping that record, he can give us the undivided attention and answer some, some difficult or challenging legal questions that I think recently we haven't understood fully. Not to be combative, you have every right that I have. I went to the city clerk and asked for the, the closed minutes. So I don't have any particular leverage. I have the same abilities as everybody else here to view closed minutes. Okay, yes, Mr. Durant. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. And you know, not to be combative, but there, there hasn't been an instant uh, uh, at any time that I haven't asked Mr. Hegland for information in a meeting, in a closed session meeting, right after a closed session meeting, that he wasn't, very, he wasn't responsive and, and gave me his undivided attention at that moment. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I just, if you ask, I, he's available. Um, so I just wanted to make that point. Mr. Halter and then Mr. Johnson. My concern would be that there's a lot of things in closed session that we're given to review and then they're taken back because we can't even take them with us. And so I guess the concern would be uh, having, I guess if it's more detailed information, I'm not sure exactly what that's buying us, to be honest. I'm looking at um, uh, closed session is meant to be something where we could talk freely about things that uh, could really impact the city if it was made public. 
And once we're able to make it public and a decision's been made, then the city manager or city attorney reports back uh, to the public. Uh, it's a very interesting, I think, time-tested process. I'm not sure what else we're gaining. I, won't, uh, I, I wanna understand that because um, I don't really, I, I, I don't really mind one way or another, but I just feel that it's duplicity. Mr. Johnson, and then I'll go, if we don't have a problem, I'll go out to get public comments and we'll come back to us. Go ahead. Thank you, and not to be combative, I appreciate that it's worked for you, Mayor and Council Member Duran, but I've given an example of where I really think there was information that our council would have benefited from had there been minutes available. And, you know, sometime during closed session, I could tell you about that one. Um, but, but that has been my experience. And, and so, yeah, we still have to hear from the public, correct? Yes. Okay, thank you. I'll, I'll go to public comments, please. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. We do have one speaker on item number seven, uh, seven Spencer Noren. Spencer, you'll have three minutes. Thank you, Michael. Mayor, Council, VPD, Translation. It's an important topic. I can understand where Councilmember Compass is coming from about wanting to be detailed minutes. I kind of reflected back when I was Parks Rec Commissioner and we took minutes. Staff actually took away the detail of the minutes during when I was Commissioner. Something to reference, it used to be really detailed. And the last detail I got in there was zipline at Marina Park. And then I got an email that we were gonna go through with new protocols and do less detail in our minutes. So if Mr. Hagelin's doing a good job from what council members are describing, it seems to be efficient for me in that manner. I also wanna protect ourselves more in these closed sessions because if we do record more things in a closed session report and a judge can go look at that, it does take away some freedom. You know, we're already under Brown Act violations, different things as elected officials and as volunteers to go into a closed session report, you're supposed to be able to speak freely and avoid the Brown Act. Seems like a special place to be. I haven't experienced it, but I can only possibly imagine. On top of that too, every time I come up here, I say thank you to Michael and, and the staff because has anybody actually thought about Michael's time in this manner? I believe this gentleman in the clerk position gets here at seven or 8 a.m. And then if we were to ask then to go into closed session, I can only imagine what he's doing probably from five to six, right? And then if he goes, works all day, sets up the presentations, the meetings, then has to sit through a closed session report and then go to city council and deal with me for seven hours? Who tell a mama? That's asking a lot of our city clerk. So I want to really engage that, the job that Michael's doing and Antoinette and Tracy, the staff before, so I thought that would be considered as well as our staff's time and appreciation for their hard work. But again, understanding where Councilmember Campos comes from, hopefully you can get some transparency and some honesty in those meetings. If not, maybe we need change. Thank you. That concludes public comment on item number seven. Back to City Council. Councilmember Campos. So if I can be as clear as possible with my fellow council members, I'm, I'm not here to offend or upset anybody. I want to utilize the education and expertise of my city attorney answering my questions and helping me make a rational, educated decision in closed session. And this past year, for me, that hasn't always happened because he needs to take minutes. And sometimes it takes a while to finish writing down part of a discussion. 
So there have been times when I've asked a question but not gotten an answer before a vote was taken. And those, those meetings are very, very important to all of us. So it's not about the clerk and taking the minutes as much as it's about utilizing the full expertise of our city attorney in the most critical moments, the closed session. So that's what I brought this for. Thank you. Other, Councilmember Johnson. Thank you. You know, I wanna, I wanna start by thanking my colleagues and Mr. Ayub and Mr. Hagelin because uh, we had a closed session today and it was nice to have some time to, to discuss the items and get an update on something. Um, and that's because, you know, we've, 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 we got four regular meetings this month. And so we've been able to have, you know, this is the third of four closed session meetings just, just in October alone. Uh, we have certainly had closed session meetings where uh, things were a little rushed. We've had closed session meetings where we had to come back after the meeting as well. Um, you know, I, and as I said, my, my personal experience as, as, a, as a council member was that I would say this council, our council, um, lost an opportunity to, to know what happened at a prior council because there weren't minutes detailed enough. And so with that, I would move council member Campos's policy consideration. Do I have a second? Second. There is a second. Further discussion? Yes, Mr. Durant, then Mr. Halter. I just want to say for the record, and uh, um, Council Member Campos, um, I, I don't, obviously, I'm not sitting next to you all the time, and I don't hear everything that you say, but just for the record, I've never had that experience um, with our city attorney. I've if I've ever asked a question, he's always at, answered a question. And I've never heard anybody in a closed session ask a question that he did not address. So, if that's your point, I just want to I just want to let you know if that's your if that's why you're doing this policy. I haven't experienced that. Where am I next, Mr. Halter? Um, the concerns I have would be uh, it opens up a whole whole uh, whole new can of issues in that. A lot of what we discuss happens to be personnel issues, and there's issues there that it's bad enough that we may be part of that, it's, but if future councils, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, look at those same things and maybe not see the same context, I, in what the, in that elicited further policy consideration in the public realm, I, I, I think there's just a lot to think about on doing something like that. I, I think the transparency is good. I think the, the fact that um, being thorough is good. I almost would be in favor of uh, just recording it and they, they uh, simply get destroyed after a year, you know? Um, but because I think the type of detail that you may be asking for is not something that would normally be taken, I think. That's what I'm, just my thoughts. Other questions? Um, I think we can go to a motion, please. Okay, we do have a motion and a second on the floor, so you can go ahead and enter your vote now. The motion was to approve the recommendation.
waiting for two more votes to be entered. All votes have now been entered. Two ayes, five noes, and the motion fails. Um, item number eight, Spanish language interpretation and translation for city council meetings. Uh, Mr. McDonald, you're up. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, Council. Do a little switcheroo here for you. Give me one second to pull up the uh, presentation. Didn't anticipate getting it to this early, so appreciate that we are. <clears throat> By the way, while you were on vacation last week, uh, the city clerk's <laughs> office did a great job. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, appreciate that. Thanks to the staff. All right. So, uh, Mayor and Council, I am here this evening to discuss our Spanish interpretation and translation for city council meetings. Uh, as you know, all know, my name is Michael McDonald. I'm your city clerk. Wanted to provide you with a little bit of background on prior council action. In September of 2022, uh, city council approved a six-month pilot program for live two-way interpretation at all city council meetings. In September that same month, the city clerk launched uh, in-person interpretation for all city council meetings. At the conclusion of the initial six-month pilot program, uh, we came back to Council and Council continued the pilot program for an additional six months to give us a full year uh, of understanding of, of the use of the services and additionally included Spanish translation for all City Council meeting agendas. So since March, all City Council meeting agendas have been translated into Spanish in addition to the live two-way Spanish interpretation at city council meetings. Uh, just a reminder here of the outreach that was done for the pilot program over the past year. Of course, we did have information provided on our website through our social media. We provided information through our newsletter. We developed new materials, which you can see here on the screen. We also met with community groups, both at the initial six-month pilot program and after the pilot program was extended as well. And we've done videos, videos available on our website as well as our YouTube, uh, and work with our community groups as well to, uh, to send them our translated materials, to send them uh, our interpretation services to uh, determine whether or not the, uh, the quality was meeting uh, the standards of our community. So just to provide you with a little bit of information in regards to the utilization of the Spanish services in general, over the past year, for example, the first six months we had 14 city council meetings. At four of those meetings, live interpretation services were requested. For the second six-month pilot program from March to September, we had 17 city council meetings, at which five meetings, live two-way interpretation was requested. Just to give you a little information on the translation, uh, from March to September, generally our city council meeting agendas, we monitor the clicks in our agenda center. An average, uh, and I say average because the land use item was our largest uh, item ever opened with more than 500 clicks on one agenda. Uh, our average agenda is somewhere around 140 individual clicks. We're averaging right now between 30 and 50 on our Spanish agendas. So I would argue that about a third to potentially two-thirds uh, of the number of clicks that we're receiving on our uh, English agendas, we're also receiving on our Spanish agendas. Some of the items of interest over the past year to share with you 
uh, for the items in which the interpretation services were requested. Those items, of course, included the land use map, the prohibition of bicycles on Main Street moves, the Spanish interpretation program, the general plan update, the CARP, and the KB home items. Some of the trends that we've been noticing in the city clerk's office is we also print out the Spanish agendas and have them available at the front uh, desk as well at all city council meetings. There's been a notable increase in the request for Spanish agendas. We originally would uh, print uh, two or three and bring them with us. We're now uh, absent tonight, averaging anywhere between five to 10 agendas being requested uh, at every city council meeting. So we are seeing a notable increase in the physical request for the Spanish agendas. One other thing that I will note is, um, as it relates to our live interpretation, the, the request moving forward is to continue offering the Spanish interpretation services, but to adjust it on a request basis only. The request basis would require a minimum of 72 hours advance notice. The 72 hours advance notice is set by our interpreter. Um, we would also include updated language on the agenda. One thing I did want to touch on would be a change is we currently are utilizing the Spanish audio channel in WebEx. Uh, we've also monitored the use of that uh, channel as well. I can tell you, for example, tonight, we don't have any folks signed into the Spanish audio channel. Um, on average, we have not been seeing folks sign in. Our largest and uh, only meeting to date where folks did utilize the Spanish audio channel was the council reorganization uh, last December. And so while we would lose the Spanish audio channel at every city council meeting, I did want to highlight that WebEx, which we will continue in hybrid setting, WebEx does offer closed caption services in many different languages, in about 134 languages. So the closed caption services would still be available at all of our virtual meetings for a Spanish translation. Uh, but that would be one of the changes. And, and the reason for this change is, again, if we look back at the number of requests that we've had over the past year, we've had uh, 31 meetings, and we've had uh, just about 10 of those have, have requests. A third of those meetings have a request for uh, a headset at the meeting. So if we, we transition to the translation of city council meeting agendas, uh, the recommendation is to continue translating all city council meeting agendas uh, into Spanish. After meeting with our community groups, it became clear to us that uh, folks still have a hard time getting to the meeting, right? So getting here to even utilize the live interpretation services. Where the real benefit comes from is understanding and knowing what items are coming before uh, city council and having that agenda in Spanish. This practice is what's going to help us ensure transparency, engagement, and understanding uh, among our Spanish-speaking residents, which, of course, helps to enable more active participation in the decision-making process. I'll also note that we, uh, we are exploring AI-based solutions currently. The AI-based solutions could transition our, our request time and our turnaround time for the agendas. Currently, the agendas are generally posted by Thursday, Spanish agenda, and we publish the English agenda on Monday. I'd like to get that to a better turnaround time. Right now, using outside services and staff to verify, it takes us 48 to 72 hours to produce the Spanish agenda. An AI-based solution could help us get to a better a turnaround time. So to give you some financial impact information in regards to both services, the interpretation and translation, on average, we spend about 1000 per meeting 
for live interpretation services. So again, if we have 26 meetings per year, uh, which we've seen uh, a higher number of meetings this year, so this can fluctuate, the, the cost, the total cost for the live two-way interpretation, we would estimate at $26,000. For translation services, uh, the document translation services, it varies. From seven cents to 13 cents per word is what we've seen from the three different vendors that we've been utilizing. Of course, the cost uh, also determines the quality and the turnaround time of the translation services. On average, an agenda could cost between $200 to $1,000 to translate that individual agenda. So the total cost we're putting for the translation program could range anywhere from 5,200 to 26,000 for an entire year of meetings. Now also know that that AI-based solution could help us reduce the cost of the translation as well. Uh, there are more and more, I know uh, when I came back after the six months, I believe it was Council Member Johnson who had inquired about AI translation services. The technology is increasing more and more and more. We have companies who originally were running at somewhere around an 80% accuracy rate are now saying they have a 98, 99% accuracy rate. I've demoed and tested two software systems uh, which seem very promising. I'm still going through that process with them, but it's a consideration to take in place that uh, if we were to adopt an AI-based solution, for example, it could offer an opportunity to not only expand the program but reduce the cost. So I did want to uh, highlight that we are currently exploring that option as well. So to circle back to the recommendations, tonight I bring to you uh, a recommendation that we continue offering Spanish interpretation services at city council meetings by a request basis only. Uh, what that means is we will continue to do the same outreach that we are currently doing. We will continue to create the marketing materials. We will continue to engage and collaborate with our community groups, and we will offer it on a, uh, a request basis only. This is also consistent with other agencies in the county. Uh, for example, the county of Ventura is uh, on an on uh, request basis only. There are only two, uh, two one city and us, uh, city of Oxnard, offering live two-way interpretation at all city council meetings, and then uh, city of Ventura. Most other cities are now coming on board with a request basis only. Uh, this also doesn't prevent uh, the community from requesting interpretation services at every city council meeting. Uh, it just requires a 72 hours advance notice, which we would ensure that the Spanish agenda is posted uh, in advance of the 72 hour advance notice. So the goal is to have the Spanish agenda posted within 48 hours of our original posting. So say by a Wednesday, which would give a full four or five days before a council meeting for a request to be made for uh, Spanish interpretation. The second recommendation is to continue translating all city council meetings into Spanish. And with that, I'm available for any questions. Councilmember Campos. Thank you, Mayor. Um, thank you, Mr. McDonald. Um, when did you start the agendas being published in Spanish? So uh, what I can tell you about the agenda process, and thank you, Councilmember Campos, for the question, is uh, oftentimes uh, the agenda process can be quite hectic, and I, I might be finalizing the English agenda uh, 20 minutes before it's posted. So the current process is as soon as the, the agenda is finalized, uh, prior to me posting or publication, I then send it out for translation that same day. So if I'm posting on a Monday, the agenda gets sent out on that Monday 
uh, for translation. We generally get the agenda back by Wednesday, and there's some minor formatting, and there's an additional internal review that we do uh, with staff as well so that there's a second set of eyes on things. Thank you. And um, the so by agenda, you're referring to the the line items through the agenda. What about the staff reports? Are they being translated now? Sure, and, and thank you for that question, Councilmember Campos. Right now, the recommendation is to continue translating the agenda document itself. Uh, while the goal, of course, is to move into the direction of having more documents translated, but I can give you an example. The land use map item was a 1,200-page document. The translation fees and the turnaround time for that one staff report alone could potentially be a week and a couple thousand dollars. So AI-based solutions might offer us an opportunity to continue to explore that. I would say this is a step in the right direction uh, in, in understanding and knowing that uh, greater translation and more translation is, of course, a, a great benefit to the community and the direction uh, that we're moving. Uh, we just don't currently have the capacity to, to explore the translation of the staff reports. We are currently looking at functions within our website because our, our website does have the ability to automatically translate in multiple different languages, and there could potentially be an opportunity for us to utilize that service. Uh, we did a demo on it just last week, and so we're, we're you know, it, it's definitely a step in the right direction in understanding that greater translation of documents is our, would be a potential goal in the future. Right now, this recommendation pertains solely to the actual physical agenda document. Thank you for that, and I also wanna thank you um, before you came here, the need for translation and interpretation was great. And it never really got off the ground before you got hired. So I very much appreciate what you've done. And I know all of my community of Spanish speakers does. Thank you. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate that, Councilmember Campos, and also appreciate the Council for continuing the, the pilot program and providing us with the resources that we need uh, to be able to provide this critical resource to our community. Uh, Madam Deputy Mayor. Thank you, Mayor. Um, thank you, uh, Mr. City Clerk. Uh, certainly the work that you and your team have done to provide um, Spanish interpretation services has uh, continue to make a difference. Um, I'm curious if no simultaneous translations are happening during a meeting, um, can people go to YouTube, play back the meeting, and have a translation of thank, that meeting? Thank you for that question, uh, Deputy Mayor Dr. Sanchez-Palacios. We do not currently have the ability, for example, to record the meeting in Spanish. It's been our limitation, and it's a limitation in the WebEx audio channel. So right now the audio channel is only in WebEx and not in YouTube. And we don't have, we, we currently don't have the ability to stream it in YouTube, for example. The limitations with WebEx is that it doesn't allow us to record the, the, uh, the secondary language, the Spanish language. It only allows us to record the primary meeting and the primary meeting is done in English. So we've had a limitation on being able to record in general uh, the meetings that are translated into or interpreted into into Spanish. It's been a limitation that we've experienced. Okay, and as um, I mean, I, I, I've I've used WebEx before in other meetings, and 
the Spanish isn't always correct um, because as a native speaker, there are specific colloquial and terms that as a native speaker you understand or doesn't make sense. Um, so when it comes to, I think my concern is, is that, that, that when it comes to having that limited access to now switch it over to by request only, uh, my concern would be that folks who cannot watch our meetings live mm -hmm. as they're happening, they're not going to have the opportunity to come back and hear the meeting in their language. Um, any ideas as to how we can address that? Or I know you said we're working on it, but... Sure, sure. Thank you for, for that question, and I share your concern as well. Uh, one of the things that, uh, and of course, the closed caption in WebEx is similar to any of those AI-based solutions running at somewhere around an 89% accuracy rate. Uh, one thing I am particularly excited about that I can share with one of the, uh, the demos that I did uh, for one of the AI-based solutions is the ability to dub over in Spanish after the fact. Right, so take a recording of the meeting, take a recording of the clip of the item of interest, for example, and potentially have the ability to dub over it in Spanish and produce that video uh, after the fact. So it's, it's something we're exploring. It's not something that we currently have the ability to do. Uh, it, it could potentially be a solution in, uh, in, in the future with the AI base. I would point out right now, uh, given the ability or, or the lack of ability to record, uh, although we have live interpretation services at every meetings for the past year, we don't have any current videos in Spanish. Got it, okay, thank you. Mr. McReynolds and then Mr. Johnson. Is your, so, so, sorry, Councilmember McReynolds, is your microphone on? No. So, <laughs> Thank you. Just calling me out left and right tonight. Uh, I, I just want to appreciate that you know, one of the council goals was to do 21st century customer service. And I believe everything that the, your staff has been doing is, is, is in regards to providing that 21st century uh, customer service. Um, I, I appreciate your uh, fiscal frugality, uh, but I, I, I would be in favor of continuing this, the translation. Uh, even though we're not having it there, it is part of that customer, that 21st century customer service, and I think that we, we really do need to continue uh, providing that. At a cost of $26,000 annually, it's, I mean, it's a, this is a $430 million organization. I think we can, it's a rounding error. Understood. Mr. Johnson. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I assume we have some public comments as well on this, so I'm just gonna keep mine to, to questions. First, though, I, I do want to thank you, Mr. McDonald, because this is a totally different conversation because your office has been so diligent at getting the agendas out early. That's just a game changer. It's, it's a game changer for everybody. I, I do want to make a little clarification. The last comment you made in your, your presentation, you were going through the, the process of publishing the agenda in English and setting it off to translation, and you suggested that somebody could have five to six days to request the translation, but, but actually they don't because they would have to make the request by Friday. 
and and if the Spanish language agenda comes out on Wednesday, it's more like it's more like two days. Um, and and I and I will just share with you that I certainly know how to take a WebEx audio and attach it to a different video and put it on YouTube. It's it's actually not that difficult. Uh, somebody just needs to set up a WebEx client and then make the audio recording of it. And then you can separate out the audio from an existing video and replace the audio. And, and so that is something we, we could certainly be doing. And, uh, and yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for that uh, comment, uh, Council Member Johnson. Uh, I just wanted to clarify that the current setup in terms of our technology upstairs in the room and our current WebEx account does not allow for us to be able to do that. That's a limitation that we currently have. There's options of exploring that, for example, and that would be another function that we could potentially have CAPS do, uh, as an example, upstairs. But the, the challenge for us is the broadcasting and the feeding and the way that it's fed and the way that the technology works to broadcast the meeting through the, the channel that we've experienced limitations in being able to do something like that. But you're absolutely right that there are uh, ways uh, that we could explore different options. Ms. Campos, and then I'll go to public comment, if that's all right. Thank you, Mayor. And, uh, all, and additionally, um, if, if you speak Spanish or understand Spanish, you know that the WebEx translator is a bit deficient. However, when we have a live translator here, it should be possible to make a recording of her because her accuracy is at least 99 to 101%. And then somehow add that into the video on YouTube or somewhere. Yeah, thank you for that, Councilmember Campos. Thank you. Mr. Duran, and then I'll go to the yeah. public. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Mayor. I just want to say um, I, I am always impressed with you and the work that you do and the research you put behind it. And I want to thank you for this information uh, because it's it's very helpful to know that we're not getting the people that are coming out. So once again. And we, we could probably do this every Monday if we needed to, right? People just need to request it. So it's not that we're eliminating it. We're just making it as needed, correct? That's correct. Okay. Thank you. Public comments? Thank you, Mayor. We do have three speakers on this item. Our first speaker is Marco Cuevas, followed by Maria Davalos. And Mr. Mayor, before we go to a public comment as well, I did also want to take an opportunity to shout out Lourdes and her team at All Languages. Uh, translation services. They've been with us since day one. Uh, they've been an amazing partner. Lourdes has been really great to work with, and she's a really a valuable resource, not only to us here in the city of Ventura, uh, but to many agencies in Ventura County. So I did want to take this opportunity as well to thank Lourdes and to thank her team. Uh, they've been a really great partner to work with. They've helped us not only with the live interpretation, but the translation and the quality of our translation as well. So I did want to take that opportunity to thank them. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor, Council, staff, uh, my fellow residents here in person and online. Uh, actually, Mr. McDonald did a great job addressing uh, my concerns on turnaround time uh, for translated agendas, so I'll just leave you with this suggestion for consideration. Uh, if we could just plan on hopefully revisiting this uh, in about six months to see how it's working out uh, for the community, whatever direction you decide uh, to go. Uh, I know you guys have been getting regular updates, but uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Our next speaker is Maria Davalos, followed by Ga uh, Bob Guthrie. Thank you, 
Buenas noches, honorable señor alcalde y sus consejeros. Good evening, uh, honorable mayor and the council. Les exhorto para que apoyen la recomendación para continuar ofreciendo el servicio. I'm, en... I'm encouraging you all to accept the recommendation for the uh, interpretation. Cuando se requiera. Whenever it's necessary. Lo correcto sería. The correct thing to do. La interpretación fuera permanente. If the interpretation would be a permanent thing. La comunidad latina aporta mucho para la ciudad de Ventura. The community, uh, the Hispanic community uh, does a lot for Ventura. Aporta, aporta tanto a esta ciudad que necesita ser tratada dignamente. And they do so much for this uh, city that they should be treated in a dignified manner. Gracias por todo su apoyo porque todos estos seis meses que tuvimos la interpretación. Thank you for all your support because all these six months that we had the interpretation services. Nuestra comunidad está al tanto de todo lo que pasa aquí en la ciudad. Our community is up to date with everything that's going on with the city. Y yo como miembro de Manos Unidas, la, la, soy um, la que dirige la, el grupo de Manos Unidas. And I as the director of Manos Unidas, I'm the one that's in charge of uh, leading that group. Dos veces al mes tenemos juntas. Twice a month we have meetings. Y siempre estamos hablando de lo que se habla aquí en And la junta. We're always talking about what happens here at, the, at this meeting. Si nuestra gente latina no está aquí ahorita sentada. If our uh, Latin, uh, Hispanic people aren't here right now sitting here. Trabajan demasiadas horas ahora en, estos te en esta temporada. Uh, during this, uh, this season they, they work a lot. Por los incrementos de renta que están tan altos. Because of the rents that are so high, the increments that are, are getting so high. Ellos trabajan horas extras y por esa razón ellos no están aquí. And they work extra hours and that's the reason why they're not here. Pero con las juntas que tenemos. But with the meetings that we have. Están, están comunicándose, están, se están enterando de todo lo que pasa por medio de nosotros. They're being up to date uh, as to what's happening through us. Son Muchísimas gracias por su atención. Uh, thank you very much for your kind attention. Y esperemos que de verdad nos apoyen. And I, I really hope that you'll, you'll support us. Con la interpretación en español. With interpretation in Spanish. Gracias, Michael, por tu apoyo. And thank you, Michael, for your help. Gracias a todos. Thank you to everyone. <laughs> Good evening. Uh, thank you, Mayor. That actually concludes our public speakers for that item. Back to City Council. De Madam Deputy Mayor. Um, I know, I, I don't know if there's any, I, I was like, I'm gonna make a motion. Um, and, I, and I appreciate uh, you bringing this uh, update and the recommendations, but I, I would feel strongly to keep it as is, um, not on a by request basis only. Um, and I think, uh, like Councilmember McReynolds shared at the uh, cost, you know, it's a fraction of um, what we spend uh, within our uh, budgetary uh, items, and so um, I don't know if my council members have any other comments, but I would make the motion to continue offering Spanish interpretation as we currently have it, um, and continue translating all council meeting agendas into Spanish as we currently have it. Second. I'll second. Second. Discussion. Councilmember Johnson. Thank you, Mayor. I I really appreciate all the work that we've done on this. Um, I was an early pusher for this. And I got to tell you, you know, hearing that it's not real common in the county, I appreciate that. But for me, it's a point of pride that we are doing such a good job on this. Um, 
it is something for me when, when I get, when somebody complains that they don't have a way to, to speak to counsel, when I'm able to tell them, look, here's the agenda, here are the instructions on how to participate. You can come in person, you can do it in WebEx, you can do it in writing. And if you speak Spanish, we've got live interpretation and, and we are doing everything we can to, to make, make what we do as a city council really accessible to the entire city. And so I will be supporting this motion. Thank you. Councilmember McReynolds. Uh, a question and a comment. Uh, the, the question would be, uh, do we know what Ventura Unified School District does? Thank you, Councilmember McReynolds, uh, Mayor Schrader. The school district is, uh, falls under a little bit a different state law in regards to accessibility. They are actually mandated to provide these types of services. So do they? I mean, I, I'm and assuming they, and they're mandated that they do it, but what, what are the services? What, uh, well, providing? for example, they have interpretation and translation services available for any uh, document that the school board or the school uh, itself produces. So if you take our former mayor, for example, who works for the Santa Barbara School District, they have a team of translators, interpreters that are dedicated to language access, and that's their full, uh, whole full-time job is to be able to provide those resources at any level. So while it may not be that they are translating uh, every agenda and posting a translated agenda, which they're not, uh, their services are all by request and any, any type of translation or uh, interpretation services can be requested. Yeah, and so that really feeds into my comment that that's a model that we should strive for uh, eventually. I realize we're not based on everything you said, but it seems like a model that we should strive to achieve. Thank you. Councilmember Campos. So I would encourage us to um, just make this a permanent part of what we do. And I also want to specifically thank Councilmember Halter and Councilmember Johnson, who before I came to, to this seat would bring interpreters with me for my community. And the two of them donated over and over again to help pay for that. And so I'm grateful to everyone who has participated in any part of interpreting over these years. Thank you. Yes, Councilmember Halter. Uh, briefly, just say that, you know, working in the trades and having uh, so many of my own employees of Latino and Spanish speakers is what's honestly been amazing to me is, and I'm not sure if it's because I'm on council, uh, but I'm amazed at how up-to-date a lot of my guys are. When I hear them discussing, I ask, what, what are you discussing? I'll catch, I could actually understand more than obviously I can speak. But uh, it's been amazing to me to know that it, we've been trying for years to get um, our uh, Latino speakers or, or uh, Spanish speakers to be a part of our community and be active. And I think we're going that way. And I hate to cut this short. I really think that um, having it permanent, uh, I don't want to waste any a, a dime of taxpayers' dollars. There's many ways that we could compare and say, well, we spent this there, but why not here? I really think that we're on to something. I really think that uh, people are starting to really engage. And so I would be supporting the motion. Councilmember Durant. Um, just a question. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, we're, we're, we're looking at it again in six months, right? It's not like uh, thank you for that question, Councilmember Duran. So the initial pilot program was for six months and it was extended for six months. So now that we're at the end of the year, the recommendation, uh, as I understand it, to become permanent. Other questions? 
Time to vote. And you want to repeat the motion, please? Thank you, Mayor. We have a motion and a second on this item to continue allowing interpretation and translation services as is on a permanent basis. We can now enter your vote. All votes are entered. Seven eyes and the motion carries. Once again, we're unanimous. It's bright minds think alike. Thank you very much for that. And, and I agree with the other comments that we're ta definitely taking a leadership in the county on this. And I, I think this is going to pay off. We're making an investment now. And we'll see the return five, ten years from now. So on to public communications. Uh, in compliance with the Brown Act, City Council may not discuss, deliberate, or vote on any matter raised in public communications. If you'd like to make a public comment, all speaker cards should be submitted at this time. I also want to uh, remind us that unfortunately we've had chat and have had comments that are anti-Semitic and unbelievably racist. I'm going to do my best to manage those within constitutional guidelines, and I'm hoping and praying that we don't have any of those comments tonight. Do we have any public speakers? Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. We do. We have five public comments. Uh, just a reminder to our public commenters, public comments, uh, public communications is an opportunity to talk about items not on tonight's agenda, so not on tonight's agenda. Our first speaker this evening is Amy Cherry, followed by Spencer Noren, Carol Spector, Bob Guthrie, and Natalie Bruton. Thank you, Michael, for setting that up so perfectly. Um, seeing how the uh, study for a 14-story beachfront unit that was not agendized um, was allowed to be slipped into the land use maps, I have no idea if that's legal or how that even happened. Um, that's crazy. Um, that should be a totally separate discussion. No one knew about it. GPAC never talked about it. The public was never informed. Nobody knew until at the very last minute. And you guys voted for it. That's going to be like extra stuff for the sequence that the city's going to pay for for a parcel that may or may not be rezoned is, is just nuts. Um, and that is absolutely appealable to the Coastal Commission. Um, I mean, nobody was noticed. You know, public comment has already stopped and never even started. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. And I do appreciate putting the West Side um, to its own agendized date. That was nice. And that should be done for uh, the parking structure. Thank you. Spencer Noren, followed by Carol Spector. Thank you, Michael. Mayor, Council, BPD, Translation. A couple of things in my mind today. I want to discuss real briefly, if I can, about how the West Side got a lot of respect tonight about doing what the community wanted. But on the East Side, when it came to preserving commercial space, the two people from the East Side voted to represent the people, but the five others didn't. I found that very interesting that the other five council members wanted to sit here and talk about how they're representing their own area, but yet when it came to the east side, they didn't follow what the east side leaders 
did or what the community members have said about preserving commercial space to the maximum on the east side as far as the parcel goes. With that being said, I want to talk about open space. City manager, thank you so much. Harmon Barenka, another fire last weekend was down there. Small one, but my wife saw it as we're doing softball practice. Please, I don't know if we keep asking Edison or the patrol task force, but I would love at least once a month Harmon Barenka cleared out. This is just a liability. We have a lot of PTSD in the Ondolando neighborhoods for fires. I don't think it's acceptable that people are down there having fires. So Harmon Barenka, thank you so much. I also want to talk about an accident we had that fortunately was last weekend on an area that goes right between District 4 and 5 on Telegraph Road. Telegraph and Cambria. I live on the corner of Pettit and Telegraph for everyone to know. I'm not ashamed about where I live. I live, actually live on Solano. You can come check me out anytime. The point being is, I think it's the highest traffic on miles per hour in the city of Ventura. When you go from one lane road all the way from Santa Paula and then you hit Pettit, you go to two lanes. We put a good mile per hour sign on the south side of Telegraph. I also need one on the north side, please. And I need, college, I need school signage. Because when you hit that speed zone, you go 60, 70 miles an hour. I mean, you lay the pedal to the metal, as my grandpa would have said. So we had an accident where a gentleman was probably in his late, mid-60s, was riding a motorcycle, going the opposite direction. He was actually going east by Hobart Park. And you go by Hobart Park, it goes to two lanes and then veers into one lane right by Hobart. You know where I'm at? That's also very dangerous to see. A young man pulled out going left, from Cambria onto Telegraph, and they T-boned. I don't know if anyone's checked in with the gentleman in the hospital, but mayor, maybe city manager, a gentleman had a very big contusion on his forehead. Maybe check in with him. But uh, with that being said, safety on the east side, I appreciate you. Thank you. Carol Spector, followed by Bob Guthrie. I did not expect to be up here again. Um, first of all, wonderful about the Spanish language translation. I'm, I'm really proud of our city for doing that. Um, but as for my earlier comments that any changes or non-agendized items should be noticed so we could discuss them, as you did with the West Side, that you made those changes, the motion about the parking structure, it was, first of all, Nothing against Michael. It was the only one that wasn't repeated, so we never heard you all voted for it, but it was not repeated. Um, but it feels like it was just kind of snuck in. It wasn't on the. It wasn't in the staff report. It wasn't mentioned on the GPAC report. It wasn't mentioned in the PC recommendations. Um, it wasn't listed as an area of discussion on the map. So where did this come from? Um, we need transparency, and this certainly is not. So I think you need to fix that. Thank you. Bob Guthrie, followed by Glenn Overly, and our final speaker, Natalie Bruton. I'll try to not be a broken record here tonight. I also want to speak about the non-agendized decision that was made. Um, I, I understand why you want to do that. I mean, that parking structure is a bit of a mess. But um, I hope that you really weigh in that a high percentage of the public, I think it was over 90%, were in favor of keeping that zoning the same. Um, all but one or two members of GPAC were in favor of keeping the zoning the same. And the Planning Commission were in favor of keeping the zoning the same. 
So um, I just ask that before you release city resources in investigating alternate uses for it, that you have a public hearing and kind of give the public an idea of what your thoughts are on this and let the public weigh in. Because I can assure you, if any proposals are going to take that thing higher than the freeway is right now, it will be a very contentious item. And so the public should have a right to weigh in before the city spends resources. And finally, I just wanted to say, uh, uh, I hope you know what a swag is, or a wag, um, but I thought I'd make one on the 1800 buffer that the GPAC provided in units over uh, the, net, uh, the no net loss. Um, I'm going to say that you used up about 1,500 of them, so you still got a few left in the bank, and you probably won't have to make any major redecisions. Just a guess. Thank you. Next speaker is Glenn Overly, followed by Natalie Bruton. Hey, Michael, can you hear me? We can. My comments are related to the October 16, 2023 meeting, item 10, fire station 7, project 93710. Councilman Johnson was absent for that meeting. Not to be combative, the comments toward Chief and Dyer were harsh, even by my standards. I want to remind the mayor and council that your comments should have been directed at our former city manager who assigned his staff to work with fire to establish the site for station number seven. I would also like to remind the mayor that I spoke about station seven site at a meeting related to KB homes as a public benefit paid for by KB. At the end of that meeting, you made a joke with Akbar about citizens knowing more than the mayor and council. In that instance, you were absolutely right. Citizens do know more. You were not aware because the former city manager, interim city manager, and former deputy city manager, whom have all left the building, did not communicate to you and council, even after wine was purchased in Sacramento on a cow cart. I want to apologize to Chief Andaya for the way he was treated by some council members. I also want to acknowledge Chief Andaya's gracious and composed thoughts related to the reasons he supported Station 7 and its location. We as a city keep kicking the can down the street related to the condition of our roadways, sidewalks, and public buildings. Station 7 would be a good starting point for modernizing our fire department. Keep in mind, other fire stations already need work to function safely. Here are my thoughts about Station 7. I think as proposed, it is too small. Yes, too small. It should be larger to house other fire personnel equipment in case they have to be shut down for repair in the future. Station 7 could be the Band-Aid or hub to house additional personnel and equipment if needed in the future. I would like to set, I would like to see a larger footprint and adaptability to grow as needed on the Alessandro site. Also remember that Pierpont Lanes are difficult to navigate. Station 7 will improve response times to Pierpont and the Harbor, which is long overdue. I hope this council can work towards being proactive with our fire department rather than reactionary when it is too late. And I wanna give a special thanks to City Manager Ayub for the length of this meeting and the limited agenda items. 
And also a special thanks to Andy and also Michael for acknowledging that there were issues and they corrected them so that I could be at home doing this. Thank you. And our final speaker, Natalie Bruton. Okay, can you hear me? We can. All right, thank you very much. Uh, good evening, um, Mayor, Council Members, City Manager, and staff. Um, I want to commend you on uh, during these GPAC planning sessions and review sessions that you have, they've been enlightening, and you as a council have noticed areas that need to be pulled out. I did feel that tonight's areas should have been separated more so that more in people who had uh, concerns would be able to attend because you never know what exactly is going to be discussed. And herein, this last one really threw me was the conversations regarding the parking structure and a review of its use, height, and opportunity. That was nowhere that I saw in the 279 pages that were listed on the agenda for this item. I truly believe this needs to be pulled out separately. It needs to be provided for public comment and it should be agendized and then we can have a very clear discussion on this. I, I, I am not a, a person that really uh, gets involved in the Brown Act, but this sure makes me feel like something is amiss. Um, I'm trusting that you're going to take the comments from tonight and uh, utilize them in their best in, in the best interest of our community. Um, thank you very much. I know this has been a lot of work for everybody, but we got to get it right. We don't have we don't have a second opportunity. Um, also, I would like to comment on some of the industrial areas. There was some well represented uh, co uh, community members that came out on those topics. And I had hoped that those would have been um, uh, agreed to. So that was unfortunate. But again, this parking structure, you've got it. You've got to manage this very differently. Thank you very much and uh, have a good evening. And that concludes our public communications. Uh, Mr. City Clerk, we are adjourning tonight in the memory of uh, Emily, Emily Harley, Emily, Emily, Emily Hardy. Hardy. Right. Meeting adjourned.